Welcome back, everybody, to the Film Crew College Football Podcast. I'm your host once again, Tiller. And with me today, we've got a combo of old and new blood. Uh, it's going to be starting off with Bennett. Yeah, what's up, guys? Um, I'm excited to talk about the Big 12. I will pick a Big 12 game over an ACC game or a Pac-12 game any day of the week. Uh, came into my fandom, especially when, you know, Texas, Oklahoma were really rolling in the mid-2000s. So I'm ready to get into it. Awesome. And then for our new guests, we've got from the Lone Star State, Mr. EOS himself. EOS, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, uh, I uh, uh, am an Aggie fan. Uh, went to AM, spent four and a half years there, five football seasons. Uh, but I do live in Texas, mostly Big 12 country. Um, and uh, I've got siblings that went to Texas Tech, so I kind of keep an eye on things in Lubbock and, you know, for most of my life, A&M was in the Big 12, uh, and so it's kind of like that crazy ex-girlfriend that you got to keep an eye on, you know, make sure she doesn't key your car or do something to your house, you know, and, and Texas into the SEC. So, you know, you can't always get rid of the ex-girlfriend, but no, I'm, I'm just kidding. We, I'm excited to talk about the Big 12. I think it's kind of an interesting conference in some ways, and so I think we'll, we'll have a lot of fun tonight. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be a fun conference this year and long term. Um, so are you a lifelong Aggie fan just born and raised? Yeah, uh, very stupidly. Uh, my best friend when I was in the first grade, his family uh, are Aggies. And, and he told me, hey, you you should be an Aggie, too. And I was in first grade. I didn't know any better. I was like, OK, yeah, sure. So I just adopted that um, and never gave myself an opportunity to get out of it. So I probably, you know, I ended up living with him while I was in college, I probably, he probably owes oh, me no a little bit just for, for all the damage <laughs> and everything that I've sustained as an A&M fan. But no, I, it's, it's a, been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I owe that to him at least uh, my fandom and all that. So that's an awesome story, but <laughs> yeah, no. So today's going to be a big 12 preview. Going to talk in depth about some of these teams that in what should be a pretty exciting conference. But before we get into that, a little bit of news popped up yesterday uh, for us recording, and it was that Miles Brennan out of LSU is stepping down from football altogether. Uh, it sounds like he was told that he's not going to get the starting job, so he just decided to hang it up. So, fellas, what do you think about that? I was surprised to see it, I guess. But I was kind of like, I don't know. I I guess I was confused. I, I did not realize how long Miles Brennan had been there. I guess because he's had so little actual playing time, it really feels like he, he was just recruited by Edo and all that. And so I, I was surprised for sure. Yeah, he's definitely been snake bit by injuries a couple times. And obviously when Burrow came in, it's kind of kind of have to understand not getting the starting job over Joe Burrow, especially with how that turned out for LSU. But yeah, he's on his he's a sixth year player and he I mean I can't really say I blame him, honestly. Yeah, and he had some crazy injuries along the way, too. So there, there's nothing wrong with stepping away. I mean, you, you don't see him going on to the pros or anything. I mean, he's obviously got his degree, hopefully. I mean, Stetson Bennett, <laughs> Stetson Bennett doesn't have his, but it's, it's it, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, sounds like they'll move on to Nussmeyer Daniels and keep it moving down there in yeah. Baton Rouge. I think kind of the, the big news was – some of those NIL deals that he signed and kind of what that might mean for NIL deals in the future. And will companies, especially big national companies, you know, will they, you know, kind of take a step back from signing kids to 
guaranteed money or, you know, does the machine just keep rolling? I don't know. Right. Cause I mean, the NIL, with NIL deals, the way they're structured right now, it can't be tied to performance. So right. he's just got all that money. And uh, I was listening to the Andy Staples show this morning, talk a little bit about Miles Brennan and like who his family is. Apparently they're, they're big money in Louisiana. So oh, he okay. comes from a, from a pretty wealthy family. Um, so I, it's one of those things where even if he didn't, like he put six, five years, five whole years into that program, had a couple of freak mm-hmm. injuries that derailed his career. And at a certain point, like when are you going to find that it's worth it to keep going? You know, you're not, you're obviously not going to get the starting job, although that may not mes- necessarily mean a whole lot with Brian Kelly running the show because I've never seen a coach <laughs> run through multiple quarterbacks more <laughs> than by you, Brian. But <laughs> Obviously, he knew kind of where he was in the hierarchy there. So, I don't blame him. Speaking of, like, you know, NIL, do you all get any weird NIL deals, like, around where you are, like, commercials or anything? Guys I haven't yet. Not, not for me, no. I mean, obviously, we saw the coldest yesterday. Yeah, right. That was great. That was Fantastic. a top-tier commercial. I love Fantastic. that. Fantastic. But the, the only one I really get here was uh, back when it started. I was getting the DJU Bojangles commercials back when those were first kicking off. <laughs> But that was about it. Yeah, I think uh, I want to say at one point Notre Dame's old line was sponsored by Mission Barbecue, which you know that's that's pretty on brand. That fits uh, if that's true. I, that that might have but have just been a rumor. But uh, I think they've got a couple of deals up local in South Bend there, so I, th- I think they're doing all right. But yeah, so I mean, with Miles Brennan, it's one of those things where when you put so much time into a program and it just ends up not really going your way, there's no shame in hanging it up. And like I've you know seen people already start calling him a quitter and stuff like that. And I, I just don't buy that. I just, I just think that's kind of ridiculous for a guy who's definitely put his heart and soul into the program. He had some great games right out the bat, but it's just unfortunate injuries. It, it happens. You see it all the time. Yeah. And, I mean, luckily he was able to – I mean, you know, we're assuming he got his degree. He had, He's had five years to to get that figured out. But I'm assuming he'll finish at least with his degree. And, you know, he, he'll be all right. But – yeah, so moving past that, I'm uh, going to talk a little bit, it's been a while now, but about uh, the Big 12 Media Days and just kind of where the conference is as a whole. So at Media Days, the new Big 12 commerci- Commissioner, Brett Yormack, uh, said that the Big 12 was open for business, um, probably talking, most likely talking about expansion there. And, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what the Big 12 does because I do think they have opportunity to expand uh, either West or East. And obviously a lot of it's going to depend on what the other conferences do, but I think they have the opportunity to position themselves as that third super conference to kind of balance out the Big Ten and the SEC. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be West, right? I, I don't see anywhere to the East that they're able to grab immediately out of Texas. Because, you I mean, you, unless you're going to pick up like uh, Lafayette or Monroe or someone weird like that, but – out west, you got Arizona, you got even Nevada or some some more of the California schools. Utah, Nevada. yeah, Utah. So they're they're all touching each other and doing their weird stuff. Bring Colorado back. I'd love to yeah. see that. Yeah, Colorado come crawling back to the Big Twelve. Um, I do think the, their expansion east, I think, would just depend on what happens with the ACC. Honestly, um, the only way the ACC is really going to fall apart is if it just completely disbands, basically. But if that happened, I think there's opportunity for them to grab schools like you know Pitt or 
um, Virginia Tech, schools like that that may not be high on the pecking order for the Big Ten and the SEC, but that they would have a chance to then go ahead and snap up. But I do agree West is probably the most likely direction that they would expand if they do. Yeah, I think they're certainly positioned very well to survive uh, losing Texas and OU, which was, I don't think anybody expected that. I think everybody was, when news, you know, immediately broke that Texas and OU were going to be leaving, everybody was like, well, that, that's it for the Big 12. But I think they've kind of found a way to survive and make themselves viable and interesting um, in their own way. And so, I, yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, there's talk of Arizona schools or, or Utah uh, maybe joining and then kind of I think the brakes got put on that and it's just interesting how the conference alignment it moves really quick for a little while and then slow down and get quiet for a little bit and then before you know it it's, it's heated back up again so keep an yeah. eye on that yeah and obviously it, you're gonna get a lot of negative sentiment about your conference when you lose the two tentpole teams in your conference like those for all intents and purposes they may not have won the conference every year but those two teams were the big 12. So um, it's going to be tough, but I do think that they made a good move to counter that. They grabbed a couple of really promising G5 schools, um, you know, University of Houston, Cincinnati Bearcats, who are just coming fresh off of a playoff appearance more recently than any Big 12 school, um, the Central Florida Golden Knights, and then uh, BYU, who is poised to be a pretty good team this year, I think. So that's if those teams all keep up the momentum that they have, I think that those could be really solid additions to a conference and they could make it pretty fun, honestly. You left out the Central Florida National Championship. I was going to say, the most yeah. recent national champions. <laughs> yeah, the most recent national champions. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's um, – Sorry, I was I was thinking about it. And if the ACC disbanded, I mean, like, I think I think Louisville could really play. Yeah, that'd be a over. good one. Because Cincinnati's, like, right there. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's only a couple hours away from them. That, mm -hmm. And West Virginia's close by, so. West Virginia's close, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and Pitt, I mean, that would make the backyard brawl a conference game. I feel like that would almost be a no-brainer for for a, a conference trying to build their brand up. Yeah. But yeah, Are we, we going to talk about how the Big 12's killing, like, the Mountain West and the American by doing this and bringing these teams <laughs> yeah. in? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be the G3 at this point. Um, it's going to be tough, but I think, honestly, those conferences are – I mean – Everybody knows what they are in the first place. Teams are going to poach the best of those to add to their own inventory. Um, it sucks that the Big 12 is going to be the one that's actually doing it, so they're going to get called out. But they're adding better products than, like, Maryland or Rutgers or, you know, Mizzou. So <laughs> I can't really blame them for doing it. They're, it's good product. Even what we were saying, though, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving – this is still a very exciting conference. Like, I will gladly turn on any one of these games at 9 o'clock at night, Eastern time, on Saturday. Like, oh, yeah, Big no 12, problem. Big 12 football is fun. I mean, it's it, – there. you know, obviously it's got the reputation for no defense or anything, but that turns into a lot of shootouts. And that's – I mean, it may not be the best kind of football, but it's arguably I think fun. even that even that sentiment may be changing a little bit. Um, yeah. Obviously, Oklahoma State last year had one of the best defenses in college football. and. They were great. Miranda at Baylor is always going to probably have good defenses there as long as he's there. And, you know, jury's out on uh, Venables at OU, but he's yet to have uh, a real disappointing defense, I think, in a while. So, yeah, you have to imagine the defensive coordinator of Venables caliber is at least going to have the defense figured out. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that later. I'm just so confused why it took him so long to do it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's 51 and he's been at DC since 99. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about that later. Yeah, interesting for sure. But 
Um, you know, on the financial side for the Big 12, their media deal is one of the lower paying out of the Power Five. I think it's only a hit. It's I think it might be third uh, as of right now because it's 38 million, which is more than the yeah, it is third. So it's more than the Pac-12 and it's more than the ACC. So they're firmly in the middle there in terms of their value. But losing two huge brands like Texas and Oklahoma, like who knows what is going to happen there with how with what the payout is for each school because. I would assume that they would try to renegotiate at some point. Um, I couldn't find when that deal expires, but I can't imagine it's too far off. And so they're going to have to figure out the proper value for some of these uh, these new members in re- relation to what they're losing in Texas and OU. Well, I mean, you're grabbing a whole religion in Mormons. So <laughs> that, I mean, that's right off the bat right there. That's, that's, that's got to be something. Locking down the state of Utah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I think out of the three tier two conferences, I think the Big 12 is probably the best poised for expansion. Um, I think the Pac-12 is definitely in last place there. And then the ACC, they're not going to add anybody, but I think because of that grant of rights deal, they're pretty much locked in with each other. So uh, I think the Big 12 is probably has probably the most to gain out of all of this. Did you guys hear any interesting comments by any coaches or anything like that? I know media days are usually not what those are for, so. Very, very quiet, really. I, I don't mean this as a slide to any of the coaches, because I think the Big 12 actually has a lot of good coaches right now, but they're all kind of boring, you know. Yeah. You know, for, for a conference, you used to have Dana Holgerson, and, and I guess we'll, you know, again soon when Houston joins, but assuming he's still there. But, uh, you know, of, of all the coaches there, Mike Gundy probably has the most personality. That's <laughs> so a good one, kinda, yeah. Uh, but outside of that, it's like, uh, you know, nobody else really. Dave Aranda is kind of a, an odd, quiet guy. Uh, he is, I yeah. It's, I don't know if you guys uh, listened to his uh, – I don't know if you guys listened to his interview with Andy Staples, but it was honestly a really interesting interview. But it's definitely not something that would lead to him being like a standout, like one of the big characters of the conference. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting guy. Um yeah, I, I was going to talk about Gundy. I didn't realize until recently he's the second most tenured head coach right now. Yeah, and like all of FBS. Yeah, behind Terrence. Yeah. That's it. And and yeah. for a while there, the Big Twelve had like three of them with him, and you had Stoops, and you had Gary Patterson. Yeah, and Gary Patterson. We'll talk, about, I... talk about all that, you know, coming up. But yeah, it is very interesting, um, especially with OU. How many? You know, it's only been two, but. Two new coaches in the last few years when they went a long time with never having to do that. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it'd be kind of like, you know, for an NFL equivalent, it'd be like the Steelers. I mean, they've had like three head coaches in the past who knows how long. I but... fucking love my Steelers. <laughs> I love oh them God. so much. <laughs> oh, man. It's great. It's the yeah. best. Good time to be a Steeler. Mr. Vince is going to be your starter, man. It's going to be wonderful. He's looking good. George Pickens is looking really good, too. <laughs> I saw some of the highlight film. I know, uh, he's not looking too bad. Yeah. Just leave it to the Steelers to find another wide receiver gem. Uh, with all that being said about the conference as a whole, I think it's time to take a look at closer look at some of these teams here. And we are – I honestly couldn't tell you why I put these teams in the order that they did. I know the only thing I remember was I wanted to put uh, OU and Texas last. So we're going to start – in the state of Texas, but we're going to start with the TCU Horned Frogs. So, 2021, not a great year. They had some. They had a lot of peaks and valleys. They beat Texas Tech and Baylor, who ended up, you know, being a really good team. But they got the got the brakes blown off of them by 
Okie State and OU and Iowa State. So it's uh, it was not a great season, and it probably didn't help that Gary Patterson stepped down in the middle of the season. Uh, I'm sure that probably didn't contribute to how their season ended up. But, uh, EOS, do you have anything about why Patterson stepped down or? No, I, I think, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, I don't know, you know, it, I don't know if it's one of those things where the you kind of get the feeling that maybe the game has, has passed him by a little bit with the way that, you know, he, he lost Zach Evans in the, which we'll, we'll talk about, you know, them not having, the, the Horn Frogs not having Evans in 2022 and, all that, you know, I think the transfer portal and NIL and all these different things, I think, has made college football very different from what it was when Gary Patterson first took the job. And, you know, he's a guy known for making great defenses out of average to, you know, not well-known recruits. Um, and his defenses the last couple of years haven't necessarily reflected that. Um, and so, again, I, you know, I don't want to assume that the game is passing by. I think he's still a really good defensive mind and he obviously knows a lot of football, but you know, it, you may reach a point after being somewhere so long, like he has been at TCU, where there's a statue of him that maybe you feel like you've done all you can do if, if this is the direction that college football is going. But yeah, other than that, I, I really don't know. Yeah, don't it's know. interesting, though, because uh, Bruce, Feldman at, Bruce Feldman at the time reported that TCU actually wanted him to stay on to complete the season. But yeah, Patterson made the decision to step down. So yeah. pretty interesting situation. So they definitely had a turbulent offseason. But uh, 2022, looking ahead, they've got a brand-new head coach, obviously, Sonny Dykes, who was 30-18 and 18 at SMU over the last four years. So, um, you know, kind of expecting to be able to turn that program around. And they definitely are bringing back a lot of talent um, in terms of their actual production. They're one of the higher-end teams in terms of who all they're returning. Uh, you know, obviously it remains to be said – what kind of talent that actually is and what to whether or not that's going to translate to more wins. But uh, it's one of those things where when you have more experienced players and, and frankly, older players, you have a chance, a better chance against teams who are younger and just smaller, haven't been through college uh, strength programs. So when you've got like a, I don't know, like a 21 year old senior guard going up against a five-star 18-year-old de uh, defensive tackle. Like, the stars matter still, but uh, a certain point experience is going to win out there. Yeah, at that point, you've put on 40 pounds, you're going to beat that ass. Yeah, exactly. Um, they did lose a big one. They lost uh, Zach Evans to the transfer portal, and he was one of the more productive members of that offense. So uh, it's going to be up to them to figure out how they're going to replace that production. But, um, yeah, I think they're a team that's poised to – have a better season I think I don't know how much better it's going to be but obviously when you have a brand new head coach there's going to be question marks yeah it, it should be interesting uh Sonny Dykes has always been known for his his offense um he uh he was at Louisiana Tech for a while I think and then went to Cal um and then was at Cal for a few seasons before um I think he was fired there stepped down and, and got the SMU job um so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the offense at least. Uh, obviously, losing Zach Evans is tough, but um, they should have Max Duggan back at quarterback or, or another option. Um, I can't think of his name, but they had another guy that stepped in for a while when, when Duggan was injured last year. Um, so there's, you know, lots of options on offense. I think they bring back a lot of their skill players uh, as far as wide receivers go. 
So the offense should be good. It's just a matter of can somebody kind of put the defense together and, and make that work. And, you know, I think uh, their schedule, they've got Colorado out of conference and SMU, which should be interesting. Little, you know, Sonny Dykes versus his old team. Quick yeah. turnaround on that. I, I was going to ask, you know, we're not in the state. Is there is there like TCU SMU hate? In general, because that's like the Dallas Fort Worth thing right there. Yeah, that TCU SMU is is a for sure rivalry. Yeah, they they do not like each other. TCU and Baylor is kind of one that's developed since TCU came into the Big Twelve. Uh, they had some some uh, you know intense games, uh, kind of in the end of Art Bryles' tenure at Baylor, and uh, so that that one's developed a little bit more too. But yeah, SMU TCU is is absolutely a a legitimate rivalry. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead at their schedule here, so their over-under for the win total for 2022 is 6.5. And honestly, I don't know about you guys, but I am tempted to take the over on that. Like EOS said, they're starting off at Colorado, which, you know, Colorado gets home field, but I I still don't think that Colorado is a good enough team to do any damage there. Uh, They're playing Tarleton State at home. That's their home opener, which I can honestly say I've never heard of them. Um, SMU is another Texas team. Is it okay? Steven, so they, Stevenville, Texas. Okay, that's isn't that where? Uh, that's where our Bryles started out at in the college uh, ranks. Yeah, oh, really? Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. What's his name from Auburn? Was from there. He was at Baylor first. Jared, Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham. Yeah. yeah, he was a Stevenville guy. Okay. Yes, yeah, so, I don't know why I know that, but you know, <laughs> it's fucking there. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Fun fun facts are always good, but oh, yeah. Yeah, so they're going to start off 2-0 before coming to SMU, and that's a toss-up, honestly. Um, you know, Sonny Dykes is obviously going to have a pretty pretty in-depth knowledge of what's going on at SMU in terms of the defense, at least. So, uh, you know, kind of tempting to give him the advantage there. But after that, I mean, they've got three top, top 12 teams on their schedule. So, I mean, those are going to be three losses that I'm, I'm pretty sold on and – you know, it becomes a matter of can do you see six losses on their schedule? Um, I'm not sure that I do. You got a good home schedule. That's the only thing I'll say. You get Oklahoma and Oklahoma State at home. Yeah. But, um, I mean, obviously, Colorado is just in shambles right now. I'm sure you're all going to get into that next weekend. But I'll, I'll take the over. It's right at seven. Yeah, I would. it's a lean over for me. Uh, I think they're going to lose to Oklahoma State. I think they're going to lose to Oklahoma. I think they're going to lose to Baylor. Um, the other ones that I would probably think they're going to lose are Texas, at least. Um, you know, obviously, Texas has got its own problems, but I think they could probably still handle TCU. And then I just think they're – I don't really see a way that they're going to win all of their remaining games. I feel like there's going to be, like, one more in there. We'll, we'll get to it later, but I am taking no wins against Kansas State when I look at these schedules. That's that's the one for me in this conference where I'm just not dealing with it. Just not bothering. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if they're going to win on it, if they're going to lose. So I'm just taking it automatically as a loss across the board. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was Nebraska for us with the Big Ten. You just have no idea what they're going to be like. But, yeah, Adrian, Adrian Martinez connection. So it all works yeah. out. Yeah, so all right. So, Benny, you've got the over. I've got the over. EOS. I'm going to take, take the over as well. I think seven and five is probably a good number for them. Um, and I think if you're you know, a TCU fan, you'd probably be – Pretty happy with that to get bowl eligible again and uh, have something to build on going into Sonny Dykes' next season. Yeah, for a first-year head coach, I mean, I think improving on your previous record is always something to be proud of. Um, you know, it might not be the best record in the Big 12 or anything or might not compete for a Big 12 title, but I think that's definitely respectable 
with what you would expect out of the state of TCU right now. We're going to move on past TCU here, and we are going to discuss Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, the prototypical air raid offense, the, <laughs> the alma mater of quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and, you know, all the bad ones that went to the league, the, <laughs> the air raid offense. So <laughs> when I was doing some research um, – We'll get to them later, but Graham Harrell is now actually the offensive coordinator at West Virginia. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was just one to throw in there that he was on those teams. Yeah, yeah, Graham Harrell. Uh, you know, Sonny, Sonny Cumbie was back at Tech for a little while. I don't know where he is now, but he was a former quarterback. And they've got a lot of offensive coordinators out there. And, and, and in fact, uh, we'll talk about it in a second, but the new, the new offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley, I believe, is a Texas Tech alumni as well. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, sorry, EOS, my brain's broken. So you were you were talking earlier about you know your brother went there or something. Is mm-hmm. Texas Tech a good school? Because like I'm I'm in Atlanta and Georgia Tech is like like up here. So when <laughs> no, I think it's, of like it's, Tech, it's it's very different from Georgia Tech. For okay. Sure. Um, okay. <laughs> it's, and it's Virginia a, Tech, like they're like. Yeah. Right. No. It, it's it's a it's a. I'm not going to talk down on anybody's education or anything like that. But it's not. It's not like the Ivy League of, of Texas by any means, okay. <laughs> but but it's it's a fine spot. Like I said, I have a brother, uh, two brothers that went there actually, and a sister. Lots of family went there, but yeah, it's not. It's definitely not on the same level as Georgia Tech or some of the other schools like that. Okay. Um, you know, uh, Texas A and M, you know, is is a state school, and, and so it's like it's like, uh, um, you know, Oklahoma State used to be Oklahoma A and M, like. Names just kind of get thrown around. It's kind of crazy, but yeah. <laughs> My bad. I don't want to get us off no, track, but no, no, no worries. It's all good. That's all good. Yeah, no, nah, man. I think Texas Tech probably wouldn't be the where they are right now if they had the academic requirements of Georgia Tech. And well, so, so I mean, I even think that with Virginia Tech, I'm like all of a sudden they're like a A tier, S tier education. Then all of a sudden you figure out Virginia is a better education. Yeah. I'm not trying to talk down on anybody's education, but no, 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 for sure, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, there's you got uh, a college degree, that's all that matters. There exactly. you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. hundred so percent. That's what the employers care about, is, is exactly. Paper. So yeah. uh it, it would be pretty amazing though if a if a uh, high level AAU like institution of higher learning was out in Lubbock, Texas, which is not as remote <laughs> as people like like to think it is. Like it's not El Paso, the desert out there, but it is pretty far away from most civilizations. So yeah. That's awesome. All right. But uh, but yeah, so looking back at the 2021, they had, a, they had a decent season, I would say. I mean, it's definitely not the pinnacle of what Texas Tech could achieve just by virtue of being in Texas. But, you know, they were seven and six. They were 500 in the regular season. They won their bowl game. Uh, they beat Mike Leach in the Liberty Bowl. So the Air Raid Bowl went to Texas Tech, went to the OGs. Um, you know, can't really complain too much about a bowl win, no matter where you are, obviously. With a program like Texas Tech, that's I would say that's overall a good season for them. Yeah, uh, you know Matt Wells stepped down kind of midway through the season. I think it was sometime in October. Um, he kind of came into the season a little bit of a dead man walking to him type of thing. I know that there was a lot. He just it was kind of a weird fit from the start. Came from Utah State, um, brought all his coaching staff in to replace Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, and just just felt like an odd fit from the beginning and never really took off. Um, and so uh, so now they have uh, Joey McGuire 
uh, taken over for, as the head coach. Um, he's kind of a legend in, in Texas high school football. He was the head coach at Cedar Hill, I think, for many years um, before he kind of similar to, you know, took that Sam Pittman journey to a, a head coaching job. You know, he's been around in the coaching ranks for forever um, and, and came in, I think, under Matt Rule at Baylor and okay. has been at Baylor until this year. Um, and so he's already kind of put together a decent recruiting class for the Raiders. Um, you know, not it'll – I think it's rated highly now. It'll fall as more teams, you know, get their guys in and that kind of thing. But that's an important thing with, with Texas Tech is you got to be able to find a way to recruit to, uh, to Lubbock. Yeah, I definitely think – Having McGuire there as a former Texas high school head coach will definitely give him some inroads with some recruits um, and with some of the coaching staffs. So he can kind of help push him towards Texas Tech early on. But, yeah, I think long-term that's a great hire for him. So looking ahead to 2022, some personnel challenges that they might have. Uh, the first thing is that they have three of their starters on offensive line gone. So going to be tough to replace that. Um, you know, obviously, Texas isn't basically in the South. Uh, they're going to have access to a lot of talent there. Uh, but it's going to be a matter of getting those guys coached up and getting them caught up on the scheme. So whoever's replacing those original starters, they're going to have a bit of a time. But looking at their schedule, I think they're going to have at least one week to play some catch-up. And then my, I my brother in Christ, that's that's the deep South. It's not just the South. <laughs> it's a whole other country. Yeah, EOS. Do Texans consider themselves part of the South? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, uh, of okay. course, of course, Texas is is its own separate it's Texas. Spot, yeah, depending on where you are, you know, someone someone in, in Lubbock or or in El Paso, you know, they're going to consider themselves more Southwest, New Mexico, Arizona, that kind of thing. And okay, then, yeah. You know, over here in East Texas, you know, it feels a little bit more like uh, West Louisiana, that kind of thing. So a little, a little more um, Bayou, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, yeah. There's, there's a, there's a great clip for anybody that's never seen it from the the movie Bernie, uh, uh, Richard Linklater. Uh, there's a a guy, an older man who who puts a map of Texas and he like goes through each section of Texas, and it's <laughs> it's worth a watch, and it's it's about as accurate as you will find. It's pretty fantastic. Gonna have to look at that one up later. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they bring in Zach Kitley. Um, he was at Western Kentucky uh, to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, 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 the Bailey Zapp, was that his name? The, the, Zappy. Bailey Zappy. Zappy. Yeah, Bailey Zappy that, that kind of blew up this last season. Uh, Kitley was kind of the brains behind that operation. So I think they're hoping they can uh, kind of recapture some of that magic. Um, it'll be kind of, I think they've got a three way battle. At, at QB, but but two of them have experience from last year, so that's good. Um, the defense they brought in Tim DeRuiter. Um, people will probably remember he was he was an, actually a defensive coordinator at AM uh, for a little while right before we moved to the SEC, um, and then he was a head coach at Fresno State for a little bit, um, and then is back to being a defensive coordinator. He was at Oregon for a little while, and, and I, he's a, he's a good coach. He kind of does the uh, I think he's like a Three three five type oh, stack uh, stack defense, yeah. yeah. Um, which is typically good in the Big Twelve. You know, have as many defense backs as you can. You know, yeah. Um, and they also, I know they they brought in a few guys in the transfer portal. Two two, I know for sure, or one I know that for sure is, is Baylor Cup. He was a, a tight end at A and M, um, who has all the talent and potential, but just was injury struck every year. 
okay. um, with with leg injuries. And so if he can put it together, he probably could have a nice season for them. Be a good target. Um, and then I know on defense they have a guy named Tyree Wilson uh, that uh, is going high in a lot of mock drafts this year. Um, he's entering his senior season. He was at A and M once upon a time, a long time ago. Um, but uh, he's a big, tall, rangy guy that can play with a hand on the ground or stand up, you know, and come from the edge, bring pressure that way. So, uh, you know, they've got names and they've got talent. Um, it's, and uh, like I said, I think I think McGuire's a great hire for them. Um, I don't know how quick of a you know what kind of turnaround we'll see, but of course it's not it's not a Kansas rebuild, and it's not even like TCU. Like you said, they were six and six last year. Um, there's there's plenty of talent there and plenty of ability. Go ahead, Bennett. Yeah, I, I'm not sold on McGuire. So you either get the the Gus Malzahn or the uh, Chad Morris, because that's like the other two guys I think about in high school. And it's like <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it one or a, the other. Yeah, it, it's a dying breed of of hire, I guess. You know, it just seems like these days you're either a uh, you're some guy in, in the group of five level that that works your way up until you know someone takes a shot at you in the in the power five, or you're a Nick Saban assistant, or uh, you know somebody like that, that that gets it started. This is this is a little different, and I, I do think it's interesting. I, if you'll watch interviews with him, he's he's really easy to root for. He's a he's a very personable guy, and I hope it does work out for him. But you're right, there's 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 two ways it can go. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, being personable obviously is going to help. It's going to help a lot of fans be on your side. It's definitely going to help on the recruiting trail. So, I mean, I, I think the future. The breath of fresh air too. Matt Wells is definitely not uh, personable. <laughs> there's, there's a. I think one of the things that kind of got him on the dead man walking list type thing was they didn't. They did so. He was doing some interview or something. I don't know if it was a regular press conference. And someone was like, "What do you tell recruits to bring them to Lubbock?" And he's like, oh, "I don't know. I don't really have any." Like he's like didn't have anything good to say about the city, which you know is just not. That's not what they want to hear. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of tough. that's kind of a tough look. Um, anyway, regardless of how honest it may be, I don't. I've, I've never been to Lubbock, but <laughs> I I can't imagine there's nothing there. The 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 one thing I want to come back to is Shuck when he transferred over. I mean, it was like one one overall draft pick in the NFL. I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was looking ahead. This was years ago. At this point, this is 2019 probably, but. Now they're mm-hmm. fighting on a three-way quarterback job, right? Let's see who's starting? Yeah, I forgot he came in from from Oregon, right? Uh, uh, a couple years ago, forgot about that. But uh, we can get on to win totals. I'm not betting on Tech. I mean, I'll, I'll pick I'll, <laughs> I'll pick one way or the other. But. That's yeah. fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, and I honestly think so. Their their uh, their over under is at five, and it's a really good line, honestly, because looking at their schedule right now, they have. Five teams in the top 25 in the AP top 25, and they are playing a team that has one first place vote in the coaches poll. Yeah, I don't know which which GA filled that that coaches poll out, but it, it was a good bit. I, I like that. Did, did you hear Andy talking about how that could be saving so that when they go in week two, they play <laughs> Texas, that it's like a comeback around? That's bold to think saving gives enough of a shit to fill fill that out. Honestly, though, <laughs> yeah. But, I, I, you know, I, I think I could be I could get sold on six wins pretty easily with Tech. Um, they get Texas early. They get Texas at home, which I think is could be good for them. Um, Lubbock can be a very tough place to play, um, but that uh, that you know non conference schedule for Texas Tech is is no joke. I mean, Houston yeah. is is tough uh, with with Dana and and then at NC State, like that's that's not going to be easy either. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's tough. I could see it 
I could see it landing right at five, but I, I'd be comfortable taking six. I think I think I'll take the over on it. Yeah, that's I mean that's got to be one of the tougher out of conference draws for anybody really getting mm-hmm. getting Houston and NC State on there. Murray State obviously I think they're going to be able to handle, but. I mean, their conference schedule is a conference schedule. They play everybody in the conference with the way yeah. that – with how many yeah. teams there are. So Yeah, and it looks like they get they get Baylor and West Virginia at home after a bye week, uh, so that should be good. Uh, it looks like the Baylor – Baylor game used to be played at Jerry World for a while there. It looks like maybe that contract's finally up, so good for them. Always better to have these games. This is a long freaking drive from Morgantown. <laughs> it's like, it's a real <laughs> yeah. long drive. No kidding. No, I was no. literally just in West Virginia like a month ago, and I'm like, "How the hell are these guys playing each other? Like, it's so far. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, they're definitely um, West Virginia is definitely the odd man out of the Big Twelve right now. But um, I, I got over, but barely. Yeah, I, it's a push, so it, it'll push. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see six wins. I can talk myself into six wins. I can maybe talk myself into seven, uh, just depending on what Texas does, but. They're they're starting out one and five. So it's like, yeah, yeah. That's a it's it's a tough draw. That's so. a tough start. Yeah, yeah. It might be a tough rough season for the for the Red Raiders, but I think I, I think McGuire could end up being a pretty good pretty good hire for them. Um, like you guys said earlier, it can go one of two ways when you're bringing a guy out of high school. But um, with having the kind of connections of an in-state high school coach like that, I, I feel like that kind of tilts that a little bit in their favor there. Yeah, so consensus over. I'm going to take the over on them as well. Barely over. I think they'll win probably six. So let's move on to the best team in the Big 12, (laughs) the Kansas Jayhawks. These guys suck. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, I remember for a while there when Bill Connolly was writing a preview for every team. uh, (laughs) That's kind of miserable. There, there for a while, his headlines for Kansas were always hilarious. Like one year, it was like, Kansas won't win a lot of games, but they'll get a lot of sunshine and fresh air. So that'll be like just stuff like that. It's just, I mean, it's got to be tough to read if you're a Jayhawks fan, which, you know, I mean, it's a probably... real shame Charlie Weiss couldn't turn him around. That's all I'll say about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they stopped him finally. In, in the last however many years, they've got two wins against Texas, which. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the first year. one. Um, so I was actually visiting some buddies in Alabama, and that was 2011, and Kansas beat Texas, and that basically pushed Alabama to the national championship. So they were all going crazy. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Kansas. All right, Kansas is a little lower on my power rankings now on teams I like. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was. I, I guess so. I didn't. I didn't put those two together. Yeah, that, that that was that year. Um. No, we're still good. I've got a lot of Penn State hate right now. Simeon Han shit list heroes. <laughs> Fucking top of it. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously they were bad last year. Their only win besides South Dakota and FCS school was the Texas Longhorns, which, you know, everybody <laughs> expected. That was an incredible game, though, honestly. Like, so if, much fun. <laughs> if you didn't know anything about either of those two teams, it probably would have been, like, one of those instant classics. But the fact that you know that this fucking Kansas playing Texas makes it funnier, but it also makes it really, really sad on Texas' part. Um, they started off really bad, and then they just kind of pushed their way towards being okay by the end of the year. Obviously, it didn't translate to wins, but you saw the margins getting closer. So, um, 
you know, I think there's a chance for them to have some momentum, uh, especially looking ahead to the roster at 2022. They are also one of the higher end teams in terms of who they're re- uh, returning. So they're going to have an, another experienced team. Um, tough to tell what that will do to translate to wins. Um, but they're bringing the most important player back, which is going to be uh, Jalen Daniels at quarterback. It's most important position, so it's automatically the most important player, really. Regardless but of what is, they're is, I mean, he's been he was fun to watch at times. Yeah, last year. you know, he really. Uh, am, am I remembering right that they had a kind of a close game against Oklahoma? Like, really took it. Am I am I remembering Until that the fourth right? quarter? No, yeah, you're right. Because yeah. one of the funny things about that was that they, I think it was, was that like the fumble thing, the where he yeah. Yeah, that was took the ball from his running back and Uh that was okay. All right, yeah, that's right. Yeah, one of the one of the other stories from that game too is that they eventually just stopped taking tickets and just opened the doors and then people just walk on in, which is awesome. Like that's that's just some cool shit that that they did for that, and it 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 turned out like the crowd was kind of rocking for that game, and I think OU might have been caught a little off guard there. They ended up pulling it out, but that would have been yeah. – if they would have beaten Texas and Oklahoma that year, I don't know. <laughs> Regardless of what the rest of their record is, right. like, I don't know how you could say that's a bad that's, season. That's a great season right the there. giant killers right there. <laughs> I love, it. I, love it, it. It's a basketball school. It is what yeah. it is. Like, I, it's the same as Kentucky and the SEC. Don't Just, let Mark Stoops hear you say that. I, he can come and fucking fight me, all right? <laughs> come, come catch these two big hands. I'm fucking massive. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, think, it, yeah. I, I see a little bit of a Michael Penix with him, um, with IU. And, I mean, obviously, IU had a better season a couple of years ago than Kansas, but it, it might not last. Oh, it's not lasting. No. Which, trust me, we, we, we talked Big Ten already. It ain't lasting. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I heard. But Oh, uh, yeah. But Lance Leopold is, is a program builder. Like, you know, this is a little different from what Kansas has done. And their past couple of hires, you know, with, with Les Miles and, and David Beatty before that. And, you know, they, they actually went out and, and maybe made a good call, you know, someone that's used to building up from nothing. Um, and so I, I think he's, you know, I think he's a, a good option for them. And we'll see. I, they play uh, Houston and Duke early, uh, as well as West Virginia, as far as conference games. That's their first conference game. If you get, you know, a couple of wins out of there, that's, I mean, you've got some momentum built up before the season really gets started. Um, you know, Houston and West Virginia will probably be tough, but Duke is, will be breaking in a new coach, Mike Elko. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we'll get to it in just saying, but their they're over-under wins is two and a half. So I, I think you'll probably make or break your season very early on if you're Kansas. Yeah, I think that Duke game might be might be the one that does it. Yeah, no, I think – so one thing that's interesting and I think that is really going to help Kansas the most out of anybody is the changes to the tr- the recruiting class size per year that the NCAA instituted this, this offseason. So the s- total scholarship limit is still 85, but there is now no restriction on the amount of scholarships that you can give out per class. So for a team like Kansas where you probably lose a lot of guys to the portal if they end up playing well – you can then instantly reload, and they're they have a team that part of their issue has been they've they've been at a scholarship deficit for a long time. So with these with the removal of that restriction, they're able to make that gap up. So honestly, I think that could help them a lot, and I think that could that could long term help them get out of the hole that they've been in for quite a long time. Is there a number like you 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 say the deficit? Like where have they been? 
or do we not know? Uh, I mean, it changes year to year. Honestly, I couldn't tell you, but I the last I looked, it was somewhere in the double digits. Like they were just they were that far short of what they had in scholarship players. So yeah, I mean, it's been tough, but. I think a guy like Leopold, who, like like EOS said, is a program builder. I think that combined with the rule change is going to help them kind of retool and reload. So I don't know if it helps them necessarily this year, but I think in years going forward, if they're able to get some talent out of Texas, that maybe would may be forced to go FCS or you know play play NAI ball or something like that. You know, obviously those guys aren't necessarily the top end talent that anybody's going to want, but it's better than walk-ons. So that if, that if that's how you got to reload your roster and that's how you increase the average talent level of your team, that's how you build. He just needs to give Stoops a head call and say, what the fuck did you do? Like, I mean, like, yeah. it, it really, like, Kansas basketball is God. And mm-hmm. even more than Kentucky. Like, I, I will even say that, even more than Kentucky. They should have never fired Mark Mangino. I know he's going through some stuff. <laughs> but, like, it is what it is. And shout out to him. He's lost yeah. over 150 pounds. Good for him. That's awesome. That's round, great round for him. Applause. Round of applause for Mark Mangino. You can cut in some, some sound effects there, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> if, if nothing else, I mean, Mangino proves that it's, you know, Kansas isn't necessarily an impossible job. Like, there are a few of them out there in college football where you're like, I just don't know how you win. You know, people have won at Kansas before, and then maybe Lance is the guy to do it. I don't know. But um, yeah. Gotta gotta give it a shot, I guess. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why they and play I mean, the game. There are so one disadvantage that they have is they are not necessarily as close to high end talent as like Kentucky is. So obviously, Kentucky's right next to Ohio. They are able to go in there and they're able to grab some talented players out of there, especially like the Cincinnati area. They're able to beat out the University of Cincinnati for some good players there. Kansas, I mean, it's still a decent haul away from any big population centers you got kansas city right here a couple hours over and st louis is another three after that yeah st louis is stacked i mean that's i mean focus take it that's your job i know i know we talked about missouri they're doing that but it is what it is yeah going to st louis and then honestly trying to make some inroads into like north texas just trying to get a few guys out of there like i mean that's going to be the way to build the program long term. But hey, take the Nebraska boys. They're a bunch of pussies. Like, <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah. But look at, but uh, looking ahead at their 2022 schedule, um, I would imagine that the only games that they're favored in are Tennessee Tech and Duke. And I don't even think Duke is a gimme necessarily, but they are also playing four top 25 teams in addition to Texas. So maybe that's their third win. That would honestly be hilarious if they beat Texas two years in a row. That would be – Don't tease me. That would be comedy. Don't you do it. Don't you do it, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, looking at their conference schedule, obviously obviously they're playing Iowa State and Oklahoma and Baylor and Oklahoma State. So, I mean, they've got, they've got a tough road ahead. Uh, I don't think they even sniff 500, but – I've listened. I'm sure y'all y'all listened to or half before the solid verbal, um, and uh, I was listening to their Big Twelve preview the other day, and and they described Kansas as a year away from being a year away. So like, yeah. this is not going to be their year. Next year's probably not going to be their year, but if they stick with it after that, they'll probably be in much better shape. But. What What do they always say? We'll, we'll find out how good they are. We'll know how good they are are in December. 
Yeah. the end of the season. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think a year away from being a year away is probably right. And as long as the boosters are patient, and as long as the administration is patient, I think it can pay dividends for them. But I have a hard time finding a third win for them this year, honestly. Like they might get it. Uh, I'll, I'll take the under, but I'm not betting it because they might get that third win somewhere. You just never know. Yeah, I'll I'll take the over, but I think they if they get a third win, that's all they're getting. I I just feel like it's hard to only be a two win team in the Big Twelve. Like I don't know, you've got to sneak one out from somewhere. Yeah, especially this year. There's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of changes. It, it seems like. It seems like there's an opportunity for them to get a third one. Right. I, I So I don't, I don't feel great about it. And I'm definitely not betting money on this. But, uh, you know, if I had to pick one, I, w- I would say three wins is a strong enough possibility for me to take the over. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll tell you, I'll get on the over with that, you know, for sure. Yeah. Y'all, y'all can stay over there. I'm, I'm not touching <laughs> it. I'm not touching it. I'm taking the under, but the over. Well, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't – yeah. I wouldn't blame you for feeling great about taking the under there. They've, yeah. they've, it's definitely harder to find that third win. So let's stay in state, but move towards the other team here, Kansas State Wildcats, home of the illustrious Bill Snyder and all of his magic that he did for so long. Um, last year they finished 500 in the regular season, uh, and they won the Texas Bowl against LSU. So – I mean, you're beating the you're beating a premier program there. That's got to feel good, at least for for Kansas State. I'm I'm a little biased here. My mentor in my real life was a Kansas State grad, but as as far as it goes, this is the easiest over of all the teams I've seen. I'll, I'll, I know we're jumping ahead, but we're seeing Adrian Martinez jump in. Sorry, we we see Deuce, Deuce Vaughn come back. He had over 1,800 yards last year. Front seven should be good. For me, it's it's the easiest over that we've seen this entire show so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. Yeah, I think uh, Chris Kleiman. I think he's a great coach. You know, he's he's kind of similar to, to Lance Leipold. You know, he's got had all that success at the lower levels, and um, and I mean, do you want to talk about remote? You know, we were talking about Lawrence, where the Jayhawks are. Manhattan's even further towards the middle of of Kansas, uh, so it, it's an even tougher place. You know, to get you guys to come play, but. Who needs anybody else when you got Deuce Vaughn? He is a, a, one of the most electric players in college football going into the season, for sure. Absolute stud. Um, on the defensive side, obviously, you know, their front seven should be decent, I would say. But they have – they've got some work that they got to do in the secondary to keep up with some of these higher-paced offenses in the Big 12. Uh, if they're not yeah, able I, to do that, it's going to be tough sledding for them. I, I read somewhere that they had – I think it might have been Bill Connolly had one of the um, – one of the big or highest rates of missed tackles in the secondary in of anybody in college football last year, which is Wolf. is not good in the Big Twelve when so much is happening back there. So yeah, um, it's a lot. Yeah, of yak. If they can improve on that, yeah. But I, I I'm with Bennett. I think I think they have as good a shot as any other team here at you know maybe being the surprise um, representative in, in Arlington for the Big Twelve championship game. Yeah. So. So we already ran through the SEC East and SEC West. This is kind of like the Tennessee and Arkansas for me. Like, this is who runs through the Big 12 to see who gets to the championship game right here. Yeah. You know, you might lose, you might win, but that's that's who decides who's going to the Big 12 
if you can beat Kansas State or not. Yeah, and their out-of-conference draw is honestly pretty favorable. Um, they've got South Dakota, Mizzou, and Tulane, which, if I remember correctly, Tulane also gave OU a little bit of a fit uh, mm-hmm. last year Very as well. On, yeah. So. <laughs> Shout out to Georgia Southern, my other, my other past head coach, uh, Willie Fritz. <laughs> He's down there. We got him. We got Jeff Munkin. We got Brian Van Gorder that went up to Notre Dame. He stunk. Uh, yeah, they're Brian all out there. That's yeah, tough. yeah, they can keep him. <laughs> Yeah, he went, he, worst record in program history. That sounds Brian, about right. Yeah, Brian so. Van Gorder is who who Johnny Football put up like a hundred points against when he was at Auburn. Yeah, <laughs> and then he he kept getting jobs after that. It's insane. Nah, I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, he he got a job at Notre Dame because he was Brian Kelly's buddy. That's that's pretty much all that needs to be said about that one. But um, yeah, so they're at a conference schedule. I think they're going to win. I think they got a pretty good shot to be three and zero going into the Oklahoma game. Um, I feel like they can't – they have winnable games against Texas Tech. They got a winnable game against TCU and Iowa State. Kansas, I think, should be a win. West Virginia, I think they definitely can win, although that will be a little tough sledding for them uh, visiting. And then Texas. Yeah, Texas at home. Yeah. That's a, that's a good deal for them for sure. It's all going to be – it's all going to depend on what Texas looks like this year. But, uh, but yeah, I would, I would take the over on six and a half wins for them, which is what uh, Caesar Sportsbook has them as. Uh, I would feel pretty comfortable about taking that over. I could see a path to eight wins, honestly. Yeah, no, I'm I'm smashing that over too. I thought we're is, all hitting the over on everything, but this is the one in the group that I could see like a path to like nine or ten wins. Like this is the one yeah. I'm I'm taking. Yeah, they'd have to get lucky against you know like Baylor and Oklahoma State. Like I feel like they would have to win one of those two games because I do feel like they're going to drop one somewhere. Um, you know, just kind of the nature of conference play everybody plays a little harder yeah but uh yeah I, I i could see a path to eight pretty solidly so i feel very comfortable taking the over there so we're, i think we're all in agreement there we're back to the consensus picks we're good consensus all right kansas kansas kind of tore us apart there for a second so i wanted to make sure that everything was <laughs> everything was good <laughs> we spent way too much time on kansas <laughs> we did oh man so we're going to go out to the uh, the odd child of the Big 12. We're going to go to West Virginia. Going to head out on out to Morgantown and burn some couches. They they went 500 in the regular season as well. That seems to be a theme in the Big 12 is just 500 ball. And they lost their bowl game 18-6 to to the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the guaranteed rate bowl. So uh, below 500 season, definitely not what you want for a program like West Virginia, who, you know, in the past has been pretty highly ranked. So I feel like you're probably going to want some improvement there. Yeah, um, I think, you know, this is Neil, Neil Brown's been there at West Virginia for a couple of years now um, and hasn't really managed to break through. I feel like he's uh, I don't know what his, his head coaching record is at West Virginia. Oh, just just looked it up. He's seventeen and eighteen, so he's under five hundred. That's that bowl game. It's not ideal. Yeah, that bowl game. Yeah. Uh, so that I mean, that's tough. Um, they they lost a lot on defense. Um, and Daniels from Georgia, uh, who you know came to Georgia from USC, kind of hopped around a little bit. Uh, stays healthy. Plenty of talent there. Plenty of uh, ability. But, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, Neil Brown was kind of a, considered an offensive guy. And they just you really haven't seen much offensively from West Virginia these past couple of years. Yeah. No, I think this is, this is 
it or get out of town from Neil Brown. Uh, he came in as a big offensive guy too. You know, he, he talked about putting up points and this is it. You get J, you get JT Daniels in from Georgia. Uh, he's got all the natural athletic ability in the world to make it happen. But also he's going on his third offense in four years. I mean, that's, that's the, the bad side of the transfer portal that we don't see is these guys can never get in and learn an offense because at the end of the day, they don't all have 180 IQs. So we'll, we'll see how it goes for him. Yeah. I mean, obviously the arm talent's there. Um, it's going to be a matter of being able to adjust to that scheme and, you know, being able to learn that scheme in time to weather what is going to be a relatively tough start to the year. Um you know, they're, they've got two games in there in Kansas and Towson that I'm not particularly worried about. But they open up against Pitt. The backyard brawl is going to be on September 1st, and that's just going to be – that's going to be electric for a game. That is freaking awesome that's on Thursday night. Like, that yeah. is that is great for the first yeah. week of football. Yeah, absolutely. But the first it's real interesting week. because they – so, like, as I'm sure you're fixing to get to, they play Pitt on Thursday night for the backyard brawl, and they go to Virginia Tech a few weeks later – Thursday night, which I'm sure will be nuts, and then um, then they get then they go to Texas, and they have a bye week, and they play Baylor on a Thursday night. So they have three Thursday night games on the schedule, uh, is what I'm seeing right now, anyway. Uh, and I, I don't know. That's that's Thursday night games have weird energy, man. Uh, they do. Yeah, I mean those Thursday night games. I mean you see it in the NFL all the time. Um, you see teams coming off a short rest that. I don't know when Baylor's bye week is, but if they're coming off short rest going into that game against West Virginia, uh, who is coming off of a bye, then you never know what could happen there. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a tough, tough, tough schedule, I would say. Obviously, they're at a, con- they're at a conference game being, you know, Towson, Virginia Tech, and Pitt. It's the Towson game is going to be a gimme, but Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh are not going to be easy outs for them. And honestly, they're probably going to be underdogs against Pitt. So, yeah, I think it's a very tough way to open the season. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, they're, you're, you're going to be scraping by to get to three and three, I imagine, um, in those first six games. And, and then you need to have a really strong run to finish the season if you don't want to get run out of town, Neil Brown. Yeah, and those last four games, I mean, not even counting Texas Tech, TCU, which aren't giving us, like, they've got Iowa State, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. Like, that's going to – that's a tough way to end the year. It's mm-hmm. tough. Like, the whole schedule is honestly just tough. So Yeah, that's a lot but, of traveling. It is. A lot of traveling. I mean, and they're kind of alone out on their little island out there in West Virginia, so they're going to have to do a lot. But – um it, it, it's a very faithful fan base too. You really got to suck to get kicked out. Like, I mean, <laughs> Dana was there for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they were beating ass while he was there too. But it's yeah, Rich Rod. Then um, I forget his name, Bill Stewart. He came in after, and then no, I mean, their over under for this season is five and a half. And you know, I don't think most of those like mid so there. I could see. I mean, obviously, there's just two wins that you can just go ahead and pencil in in Kansas and Towson. But after that, I don't know. Like, Yeah, I think this this may be my first under that I take. I just – I don't know. I think it's going to be a really, really tough season for West Virginia. It's going to be tough sledding. They got a lot of travel against a lot of good teams. I mean, they could definitely – 
I think I think that the Big 12 is close enough that they're going to be able to pull off an upset or two. They're going to ruin somebody's season. But all in all, I don't know if they're going to make enough to be bowl eligible. I think I am going to take the under on this as well. I'll take the under, but if I am wrong, circle back to the Baylor game Thursday, October 13th. Yeah. That's the one I'm saying that's like – That's the make or break, it. yep. Yeah, that's that's the one. Completely agree. Yeah, not gonna be not gonna be a whole lot of couches burning. At least a uh, happy couches burning, not this year. But That's what it is. Yep. So moving on, we are gonna go to Matt Campbell and the Iowa State Cyclones. So Matt Campbell's interesting. Um, he obviously has gotten some buzz in the NFL. He's gotten some buzz to move on to other jobs within college football. He was uh, he was rumored when Notre Dame had their opening. Uh, to be one of the candidates involved and same thing with the bears, which I, no offense to him. I did not want him to take the bears job. That would have been depressing for me, but, um, but he, I mean, he's a good coach. He's, I would say he's got Iowa state performing above what they can reasonably be expected to do as, as a general rule. They're, they're performing above where they have ever been before. Yeah. At least in at least in my memory since two thousand and two, and also you never want to hire a college football coach as your head NFL coach. It does not work out. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they they had some really bad stretches in in the two thousands and stuff, and under Paul Rhodes, uh, you know, they had a few here and there. But Iowa State football has not been, you know, in a position where you could consider uh, a bowl season. A disappointment, which is, you know, I think I think a lot of Iowa State fans were probably disappointed with with 2021, uh, just because this was kind of your year. You had Purdy Hall, um, that tight end, uh, I'm blanking on, um, that was pretty special, and uh, you just you kind of whiffed on a few opportunities, and uh, now you're in a, a reload year um, by all accounts. Uh, you lose a lot on all sides of the ball it's going to be interesting to see how Matt Campbell kind of keeps it afloat for this year and hopefully get some bowl eligible again and, and what they can do after that. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's a testament to Matt Campbell that seven and six is a disappointing year for them, you know? For sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, fin- I mean, finishing off the way they did with a loss to Clemson in the Cheez-It Bowl, which, oh my God, the Cheez-It Bowl is just such a ridiculous name, but um <laughs> It is. It was a disappointing year for them, I would say, especially with the amount of draftable talent that they had. So uh, looking ahead to 2022, with losing as much talent as they did overall, uh, replacing Purdy is going to be tough, even though, you know, he didn't end up being like an elite quarterback or anything like that, but he was a good quarterback. And it sounds like Hunter Deckers is likely to be the starter this year. So I haven't heard a whole lot about what they've been looking like in camp or anything like that, but uh, I, I imagine it's going to be relatively tough sledding, uh, especially looking at the schedule here. Um, you know, they're playing Southeast Missouri to start the year, and I think that one's going to be pretty, pretty easy win for them. Southeast Missouri State, my mistake. Got to add the state in there. Uh, <laughs> but then they got Iowa the week after, and it's at Kinnick. So I – I don't think they're going to win that one, honestly. I think that's a tough win. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't see them coming out of Kinnick with a win. No. And it's, I, I've been here personally as a Michigan State fan. Like, we used to suck, and we, we've gotten better. But 
you got to do a little more tough sledding before you can get better again. And losing probably your two best players all time is in Purdy and Hall and your program history, like maybe Seneca Wallace. I mean, it, it's tough to come back from that. Definitely. And honestly, I could see them the first half of the season. I could see them being at least three in three. Uh, so they'll be around 500 at the halfway point there. But then that last half of the schedule is just going to be a slog for them. Honestly, uh, they got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State there. Um, I They've got West Virginia, Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU. I definitely think they're going to lose against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And then, you know, I would probably split those last four games. And that is prob- that's going to give them the under on that. So th- this one is probably going to be an under for me. Looking at the projected win total, it's going to be six and a half and – I don't know. I'm having tr- I'm having trouble finding seven wins on this schedule. To be completely honest, I, I think this is where I, I take the under as well. Um, I just there's just too much unknown there um, this season. And I, I think Matt Campbell's a great coach, um, but uh, just there's only so much you can do um, when you have that kind of turnover, yeah. especially on the offensive side of the ball. Absolutely, and just the the gap, the talent gap. And what you have to replace, it's just going to be tough. And they don't – they get one week before they play Iowa. Like, that's not enough time. Like, you know, Ole Miss, for example, has a relatively easy schedule to get towards – they're a really backloaded schedule. Iowa State doesn't really have that. I mean, they play Iowa and Baylor within the first four weeks. They're, they're pretty much going to have to come out of the gate swinging if they, have, if they want to have a shot here. Yeah, I'm pulling for them, but I don't see it. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the under as well. Yeah, definitely not rooting against them, but I I just don't see it. No. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the actual contenders for the conference this year. Um, We're going to start with Oklahoma State, who had a great season last year. Um, You know, they they went 11-1 in the regular season, losing to Baylor in an excellent Big 12 championship game. I mean, that game was a ton of fun to watch. And then their bowl game got canceled midway through. It was so weird. Don't know who, who knows how that could have ended. But uh, no, unfortunately, they they beat the they came back and beat the Irish in the Fiesta Bowl. Which what you know, it was a good game. I'll give it to them. It was a fun game to watch, even though please, you know. Please break it down quarter by quarter for me. I, I would rather not. Um, <laughs> no, I really don't remember. <laughs> oh, man, the first half I could go, I could talk all day about that, but uh, you know, I had some other stuff come up, so I was watching other things. Couldn't didn't really see what happened in the second half there, but uh, no, they're on, riding their defense. They just they came, they managed to come back. They had their offensive skill players play out of their minds against a pretty good defense itself, and they managed to make up that score deficit and come out with a win. But a great season for Oklahoma State. I mean, I don't – they may have hit their ceiling for the near future, honestly, with that with the way that season shook, shook out for them. Yeah, uh, I, think it, I think it's very interesting uh, watching an Oklahoma State team ride a defense like that. It's not something you typically see in the Big 12, let alone in Oklahoma State where Gundy has been there for – like we said, he's one of the most tenured coaches in all of college football. Um, and he's just been known for this high-flying offense, um, which has kind of grinded to a halt since Spencer Standard started taking snaps for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely a great season for them. And really, with everything else going on in the Big 12, you want to talk about the health of the conference. Like, 
how good is it for the conference that the two people playing in the championship were Baylor and Oklahoma State, yep. not Oklahoma, not Texas, and both those teams went on to uh, play in uh, uh, New Year's Six Bowls. New Year's Six Bowls and won both of them. Yep. Like, that's that's awesome for the conference. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that some more later when we get to Baylor. But um, I think that's, that's great for Oklahoma State. Now, you know, the question is, what happens now that Jim Knowles has left uh, to go coach yeah. at Ohio State? That's tough. Um, but they do bring in Derek Mason um, from Auburn, who is absolutely a great defensive coordinator, um, in my opinion. And, and so I think that they will be good there. It's just um, – I don't know. I don't know if you can – that's sustainable for them or if uh, uh, or what it will look like this season. Yeah, I, uh, you, you've even seen Gundy come in right now and say with Derek Mason, basically, and shit changed. Like, I mean, like, they're not changing anything with Knowles leaving. Basically, what Mason ran at Auburn and, you know, he was the head coach of Vanderbilt, that doesn't count. I mean, um, basically, it's it's the same attacking type 3-4 defense that you're looking for, you know, push forward, push the line of scrimmage. You got guys meeting them in the middle of the five-yard line. And we'll move from there. But I, I don't it, – it basically what everything I've heard is what he left him with, Derek Mason doesn't have to do anything to change the defense right now. It's, 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 it's like free money for him. He took a pay cut to come there from Auburn, actually. So, I mean, that, yeah. that says something. What a mess they have on the Plains. But I think they'll address uh, that pretty well in the <laughs> – I, I love the Plains. They got the best fans. I'm not going to – I'm not going to shoot on the – I'm not going to shoot on Auburn. I mean, yeah, you can't – I mean, you can't blame the fans or the – you know – can't blame anybody but the fucking boosters with that one. <laughs> Fuck them. I hope Auburn goes. I hope Auburn runs the table. But yeah, no. I mean, Jim Knowles leaving. I think it's going to be interesting on both ends. It's going to be interesting for both Ohio State and for Oklahoma State because obviously he's going into a situation where he's got a lot more talent to work with at Ohio State. But he is kind of known for defenses starting off slowly. So who knows how quickly the new players are going to buy into that scheme? I mean, I'm sure they're you know, quote unquote, bought in, but being able to actually execute it at a high level and then being able to pick up where they left off. I think Mason is going to do a good job overall, but, you know, there's going to be, there may be some things that get lost in translation there. So you'll probably see a little bit of regression, but uh, I think it's still going to end up being a good defense and probably one of the better defenses in the Big 12 this coming year. Yeah, I think it also proved like we've always heard. Big 12 defense is like a big myth. Like, that's not that's not the case. Like, these people play defense out here. You know, Oklahoma State gave up, I think, like 22 points a game last year, and Baylor was kind of in the same route. Like, it's not some big high-powered offense. Turn it on at 10 o'clock at night. Have a blast. It's, it's not just offense all over the board. Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma Bedlam, 70 to 58, whatever it'll end up being. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a question of because uh, I, I do think they lost some players, um, you know, to to graduation and that kind of thing. Uh, I think they have a, a great defensive front. Um, it's just just a matter of maybe getting the, some new guys in the secondary and and um, in the uh, in the linebackers, you know, get get them on the right same page. And you know, I, I think they should still be a, a great team for sure. 
Yeah. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch a ton of Oklahoma State last year. Uh, I watched Bedlam and then the Big 12 Championship. And I, there may, I may have caught one other game in there, but, you know, not, not a team that I was necessarily going to focus on because, you know, there's no way Notre Dame's going to play them or anything like that. But uh, uh, looking ahead, I mean, especially on the offensive side of the ball, they started off really slow against the Irish, but Spencer Sanders eventually kicked it into high gear. He made made Notre Dame pay with his legs and with his arm. So if he can bring some more of that for the regular yeah. season, he is going to be a really good quarterback in this conference. And I think they've got the potential to maybe not quite get as highly ranked as they were last year, just with some new players coming in and some talent to replace. But I think there's no reason they can't win the Big 12. Uh, they're absolutely uh, a contender this year again. Um, it, it'll be it'll be interesting just to see how quickly, you know. Like I said, you just you got to get some consistency there on offense um, from Saunders from Sanders and and the uh, the rest of the offense, which again has has kind of been the expectation with Gundy. Yeah, Sanders Sanders always surprises me because you know you look at his stats over his career, it's it's over five thousand passing, I think, at this point. And over a thousand rushing. I mean, don't fact check me on that, but like <laughs> somewhere around there, the inconsistency shows up, and you'll you'll see it in the Big Twelve Championship game, and then he'll go out and beat Notre Dame in the bowl game. Hopefully, he can just get it more more square. I know you told me not to fact check you, but he has over almost seven thousand career yards in three seasons. <laughs> so you're right. On. I mean, yeah, he's he's absolutely. I mean, he puts up numbers, uh, but. Yeah, his freshman year, he had 11 interceptions. Um, and then uh, his junior season, he had 12 interceptions. So, you know, so it's kind of like uh, uh, you got you to gotta grow some as a quarterback. I'm fine with it. Take risks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get get the over. What are we, what are we <laughs> yeah, looking at? Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the points. Yeah. No, but um, looking ahead to the 2022 schedule – their over-under win total for the year is at nine flat. And then you know, early bye week, which is always interesting. Um, one of the earliest out there. TCU's is super early. There's is the third week. But yeah, Oklahoma State's is that fourth week. Yeah, going to week four there. Yeah. So I, I you know, I, they play Arizona State as their big non-conference opponent. Um doesn't, Eater. doesn't yeah, doesn't seem that crazy though that they could be. Three and zero, obviously going into Baylor, that that could be a that'll be an interesting game. You know, Big Twelve championship rematch, and at Baylor, uh, Baylor probably undefeated at that point. You know, it, it could be a potential college game day site. Who knows? That, that's a like huge. That. That's a huge game early. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it might be a conference championship preview in addition right. to being a rematch. I mean, depending right. on what goes on in Norman. Um, I do think that's probably their biggest game outside of Oklahoma. I, I mean, obviously, Bedlam. Yeah. yeah. Bedlam's just kind of a given at this point. But in terms of the rest of their schedule, I think Baylor's definitely the biggest game on their schedule. Um, yeah. Central Michigan, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Arizona State is not an intimidating out-of-conference draw. Um, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, the rest of the Big 12 being what it is, I think there are – there's potential for some of the inconsistencies on offense to show up again, but I am personally going to feel pretty comfortable taking the over on nine games. I think they can, they can get a double digit win season this year. Yeah. I think, 
I think nine wins um, is probably most likely. Like, I, I feel like that's probably going to push. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I, I, you know, nine and three and then a bowl win to finish 10 and three. There you go. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll take the over just for fun. Why not? Yeah. Uh, I've literally got him at a push right now. So it's, it's over for me because yeah. overs always push. So, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a push, like, that's one of the things I hate about when Vegas does these win totals is giving you an exact number because you know it's going to end up being that number. So I, I actually work with a professional ex-handicapper, so I might try and see if he can come on and see, like, That'd be awesome. Where yeah, I'm going to have him just to see, get, get a look at under the yeah. hood and see, uh, see the ball process behind that. That'd yeah. be interesting. We'll talk about some of that off stream, but. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I, I just think 10 wins is more likely than eight looking at their schedule. So, I mean, if, if, if we're doing no pushes, which I made the executive decision on that back for the big 10 pod, uh, and we're just going to keep it consistent rolling all the way through here. I, I see 10 wins as a more likely outcome than dropping an additional one and going down to eight wins. I think that's fair. I agree. So consensus over on Oklahoma state. Um, definitely think they're a contender for the big 12 this year and probably bound for another new Year's six bowl. All going to depend on if the defense can rep, can recoup some of the losses that they had in the secondary this year, and if the offense takes a step forward. So, I think that's all that needs to be said about the pokes. So let's move on to the Baylor Bears. So all you Chip and Joanna Gaines fans, this is this is where <laughs> you turn in. <laughs> uh, Baylor also had a really good season. Uh, they finished off 12 and 2 uh, with a 10 and 2 regular season, beating Oklahoma State in that Big 12 championship and then beating Ole Miss 21 to 7 in the Sugar Bowl. So, um, a really good season for Baylor, especially when you when you take into account what they've been dealing with for the past few years. So, this this just seemed like everything coming together for them. Yeah, I mean, Obviously, uh, got all missed there uh, with with Matt Corral going out in the game. That's you know tough, but you you, you play the game. Whoever's out there, that's that's what you got. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, a, a successful season for them, an amazing turnaround, um, as good as any outside of you know Sam Pittman with Arkansas, because you know they it was not that long ago they were winning just two games. They've been on such a roller coaster ride from Art Bryles to then Matt Rule and then. You know, he had to build it up, and then he took the Carolina job. So um, uh, I think it's a, it was a great season for them. Um, it'll It's just going to be – I think it's going to be really tough to replicate this season, uh, even though like, I, I do think Aranda's a good coach. But uh, they, they've got that, – that it's, it's going to be tough for them to replicate for sure. Yeah. You think they miss uh, Matt Rule at all? Uh, Matt Rule may miss them. I don't know. We'll see how <laughs> things go for him this season. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think Matt Rule's a great coach, and, yeah. and if it doesn't work out for him in, in Carolina. Uh, I can remember – I didn't really know much about him when he was at – but he took the Baylor job, and then he was on that coaches uh, thing that they do for the national championship game where they have the coaches around the table. Mm-hmm. And, like, just listening to him talk, you're like, wow, this guy is actually running circles around some of the other coaches that are at the table with him. A really impressive guy, and so it wasn't a surprise to me that he, he turned around Baylor like he did. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see about Aranda. Um, yeah, I know his defense uh, put together a pretty good one last year, so it'll be interesting to see what they do in, in twenty two. 
Yeah. I mean, they, they, oh, sorry, I, I was just going to say they, they get um, BYU in their non-conference game uh, early. They go to BYU, um, which is, you know, future conference mate, I guess. Um, there's a lot of that because Houston plays a couple of different teams this year um, in the Big 12. But anyway, yeah, uh, so we'll probably know pretty early on uh, playing BYU, and they have to travel to Iowa State, um, which I know we're not as high on this year, but you say it early. And then, and then, like we just we're just talking about Oklahoma State, so that's that's going to be the make or break game for both those teams, and you know, could be a big big night game for them. Hopefully, if uh, scheduling works out, or maybe because it's the Big Twelve, it'll be on it. 11 in the morning, <laughs> big noon Fox kickoff or whatever it is. So, who Oh, knows, yeah. But. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, especially with Aranda being a defensive coach, they lose a lot of defensive production this offseason. And it's going to be tough to replicate. It's about half of their defensive production. And that's just tough to replicate no matter how good of a defensive coach you are. You know, obviously, if you're, you know, Kirby Smart, then you probably have an easier time replicating that just with the amount of talent that you have on your team. Uh, Baylor's obviously got some talent on their team being in Texas and being a higher end power five program. So I think they can do it. It's going to be a matter of how quickly are they going to be able to get the new guys up to speed and playing at a high enough level to execute. And that BYU game, I I said a lot uh, with the ACC pod talking about Notre Dame playing them. They're going to be a tough team. They've got a lot of experience and they're going to play a lot of teams closer than people are thinking. Obviously not, you know, some of the, some of the guys doing these over unders along with us, but a lot of casual fans, I think might be surprised with how good of a team the Cougars are this coming year, but I'm big on the Cougars, man. I know I hit that over. I am too. So they've got, they got Albany and Texas state on the outside of that Baylor game. But before they go to Oklahoma State, or not Oklahoma, before they host Oklahoma State, they've got Iowa State in Ames. That ha- that one has trap game written all over it, especially if they're looking ahead at, at Oklahoma State at a rematch and potential preview of a conference championship. That's one of those games where you could see Matt Campbell do something. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's going to be tough. It's definitely not an easy schedule. I think the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, is a more difficult conference than people give it credit for. But Aranda's done a really good job with the culture at Baylor. It sounds like, which I think is incredibly important when you yeah. take a look at what's happened at Baylor over the past decade. Having a guy like Aranda that can build culture and hopefully foster a positive culture, which has not always been the case in in Waco. Yeah, the, the, well, the terrible thing about about Baylor and Waco is you can say, you know, that, that bad thing that happened there, and people have to say, which, which one? Which, what, what are we talking about? Yeah. I, so I, you, I that's got, never a good thing. I got to connect some dots there. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're talking about uh, – you're an A&M fan, right, EOS? So, yeah, Jimbo Fisher, actually, do you know where he played college football at? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. He put he put it Salem. Mercer. Had, oh, Salem. No, okay. he put it Salem. Which is actually a uh, Seventh Day Adventist, publicly funded, <laughs> for-profit university. 
which so, is what David Koresh was as a Southern yeah. Adventist. Yeah. Do, do you know what? Do you know what happened? In, I, I can't find anything verifying that Jimbo Fisher was not in Waco, Texas, in November of nineteen ninety three. That's who Taylor Kish plays in the in the TV series. It's a great Jimbo show. Fisher. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Was it. Fantastic. <laughs> Jimbo Fisher was absolutely not there. Yeah, he's not there. <laughs> just for the record. But no, I mean, like, I, I should we should bring this up on a college football podcast, but like college basketball you know back before scott drew took over at baylor like they had some bad stuff going on there like yeah. players murdering each other it's on a it crazy there, there's a documentary on showtime i can't remember yeah. the name of it but it is gr- i don't want to say great like it's it's awful <laughs> it's, like yeah like players yeah. killing each other yeah it, it's, it was nuts. the documentary is uh, great though yeah not the events are, that the documentary is and about. The, the coach was you know all time scumbag like yeah. you know, like trying to cover it up like after his players already killed each other like it's it's bad yeah it's terrible um but more to the point i think with baylor another you know not a problem but something like five games uh last season that were decided by one score or less um and so like there's always a little bit of luck involved in those games yep. they were i think uh the oklahoma state championship game i think they recorded four interceptions. Like they 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 forced twenty seven turnovers on the year defensively. Which, like again, that's another thing where yes, good defenses can force turnovers, but there's also a little bit of luck in that. And if you know turnovers don't break your way, you know a game, a one score game can absolutely go the other way. And uh, especially from a statistic standpoint, like you tend to see some regression at times uh, when someone does so well in one score one score games. Um, and so I, I think that. Uh, uh, that that's something probably if you're Baylor, you, you may want to be wary of um, just just going in the 22 season. I still think they're going to have another great year. I think Grant is a great fit for them, and uh, I think he's building something there. Uh, but move into that win total that we've seen that's that's eight. That that feels like a push for sure. Uh, I don't. I, I, I guess I feel better about going over on it than I do under. But barely. I mean, yeah, just just barely. I, I think eight and four is is certainly. Uh, more likely to be on the table than than anything else. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the the turnovers because I don't think a lot of casual fans know how difficult it is to maintain turnover production. It's incredibly for difficult. It's basically um, impossible. Even even with even within a season. Yeah. Um, if you if you see a team that's recovered something like ten fumbles, you can almost guarantee like halfway through the season, you almost guarantee they're not going to recover any more the rest of the season. Yeah. They're almost a 50 50 thing. Um, it's it's just a lot of luck involved there. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, yeah, so I absolutely agree. Yeah, 27 turnovers, their defensive for their defensive force. Yeah, their defense forced. Cut that, please, Till. <laughs> their defense forced in 2022 um, and only committed 15 in uh, on the offensive side. So they were plus 12 in turnover margin. Like, that's tough to maintain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and looking at their schedule, uh, I would say the toughest games that they have are definitely going to be Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. Uh, In terms of that next tier of games, I would say Iowa State is probably the next toughest game just because it is right leading into the Oklahoma State game. So I think that one one in the West Virginia game just as a come-down game from them and actually (laughs) having to travel to Morgantown, I feel like that one's got the potential for some – for some fucky shit happening, but yeah. um, with the over under set at eight, 
I I think it's a push too, but I lean under on that one. Um, personally, I I think having to replace that kind of defensive production, not just in terms of the turnovers, but just in terms of like you know the amount of snaps and everything like that. That's a difficult thing to do if you're not a Georgia or an Alabama. And I do think Dave Aranda is a great coach, and I don't think a regression this year for Baylor reflects on him in really any way. Uh, it's tough to build a program up and have them be consistently good, like it seems like Aranda is going to be doing. But I I just think it's going to be tough to, to replicate what they did last year. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I'll take the over just, just because. Uh, but – yeah, it would not surprise me to just see them go eight and four this year with losses to OU, OK State, um, maybe Texas or Kansas State. Either one of those I think could could jump up again. Maybe both. Um, yeah, uh, be an interesting season for the Bears. Yeah, I, I've got the under. Uh, just when I look at it, the amount of games they can lose versus what they will win, it's it's way too low. But um. Sorry, I know we're going back to it. What's what's like the Baylor fandom like in the state of Texas? Because it's, it's more like a it, they like the the one private school, right? Besides Rice, I mean, uh, it, TCU is technically a private school as well. Um, SMU is as well. Uh, but yeah, Baylor is is a you know a Baptist university. It's it's tricky. Uh, you know, it's it's come on strong in the last few years, uh, and there was plenty of like, you know, when when Bryles and all that stuff came out, there was plenty of uh, you know. Right. The <laughs> that, but I mean, for the fandom, there was plenty of uh, like you know, Penn State paterno apologist esque stuff going on there. People selling shirts in front of the stadium, like in support of Bryles, and just a, a lot of mess like that. But could not like, imagine you know, college football fans doing that. That that sounds out yeah, of character. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, who who would ever guess that there'd be scumbags in, in any fan base? Um, but yeah, I I don't know that it's a radical. Um, fan base by any means, but I think it's growing, and I think they, you know, they try to win over the the town of Waco. I think that that's, uh, but they were they were just so bad for so long, uh, you know, for a long time they were like Kansas, you know what I mean? Like they were winning one to two games. There was a couple of years in the early two thousands where A and M lost to Baylor, and it was the equivalent of lo- like Texas losing to Kansas. Like it's just you don't do that. You don't lose to Baylor, and so just to see them where they are now is is kind of crazy and. and you know, I'm not bitter about it at all, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I know we've talked about it. Like Kevin Steele was the head coach there and like, he was supposed to be the Auburn heir apparent and now he's down in Miami with crystal ball. So right. Like, right. He, and I mean, he had some bad, he had one loss where all he had to do was kneel the ball. I don't know. Maybe they're playing Colorado. I can't remember, but they, he, they tried to run it in for a last second touchdown to finish the game and the guy fumbled it. And the other team ran it back for a touchdown. I think there's a picture of him getting blown out by Mac Brown in Texas, and like Mac Brown's giving him a hug, and he's crying. Like Kevin Steele's crying. It's bad. They were they were very bad for a long time. And yeah. so um, I'm sure I'm sure that that's one of those things where like if you're like an older Baylor fan, like this has to be pretty incredible for you. And if you're a younger Baylor fan, like maybe you'd be very surprised if. Previous history. I mean, because yeah, you know, you, you may not, you may not know all that, but against, you know, the last couple of years, they've had their right. their two and ten seasons. Right. So uh, I'll leave it to this: are are the older guys even there? Like, are are there even older fans there? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an it's an old Baptist university. There's like there's and, like uh, there's like ten thousand total. Like, 
I, yeah, I don't. I have no idea what the yeah. the enrollment is, or you know, or what the alumni base looks like. But oh yeah, there's plenty of old old Baylor grads. The, the funny thing was, is that so like back in before A and M allowed women in, um, you know, uh, it, when it was an all male military academy, and and a little bit after that when they when core uh, membership wasn't a requirement, but it was still all male and all that. Like Waco and College Station aren't that far apart from each other, and uh, like. Core guys would they just load up in their trucks and they go to Waco and they try and get themselves a Baylor girl like that was how it was until you know eventually A&M started letting women in so uh, you know it's 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 a strange school Waco's kind of a weird place it's Central Texas and the Baptist thing makes it kind of strange there's this whole like you know the drinking and partying and stuff has to be done in certain ways so that you don't get expelled and all that but anyway that's that's a whole other discussion but. Yeah, it's there. It's an interesting school, interesting program. Um, like I said earlier, I think they're going to have a regression this year. I don't think that reflects poorly on Miranda by any means because you have to build a culture there. And I think he's going to do a good job of that. Just realistically, it's tough to repeat when you are in a little bit of a talent gap here. But really good news for them going forward. OU and Texas are going to be out, and there's going to be a power vacuum for who's going to be at the top of the Big 12. And Baylor is just as able as anybody to fill that role. So I think they're going to be in a good position going forward. So saving the best two for last, the cowards who are leaving for the SEC. <laughs> We're going to the start. Turncoats. Yep. Not that A&M would know anything a- about A&M that would at all. Ne- A&M would never. <laughs> I've literally got my two weeks in right now. Get fucking paid. Who cares? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with getting your money. But yeah, yeah we're gonna st- we're gonna start the last two schools here. We're gonna start with Texas, the Longhorns. Um, they've had a pretty interesting year. Obviously, it started with them being announced along with OU that they're gonna be going to the SEC, and they proceeded to not have that great of a showing in 2021. Um, they were five and seven, didn't get a bowl invite, and they got blown out by Arkansas, who is probably a mid tier SEC team. So. Does not exactly bode well for their SEC prospects uh, upon for uh, uh, upon first arrival in the SEC, and obviously they also lost to Kansas, which just like old school Baylor, you don't lose to Kansas, but they did. Yeah, right. um, yeah bad. They were they were a bad team, especially for Texas. Yeah, the defense was just I mean horrendous, and and I, I think a lot of people that. Uh, uh, Kukowski hire from Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's had good defenses up there. Uh, and I think a lot of people had high expectations and that Texas defense just did not show up. I mean, the offense had its struggles too, especially considering, you know, Sark being an a, a offensive guru. Um, so, yeah, very, very disappointing season in Austin. Uh, try not to smile too much when I talk about it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I... Arkansas game especially kind of I think made you realize like ooh this this is going to be rough for Texas because uh, Arkansas was good last year no doubt about it but um, to get just absolutely manhandled like that is not a good sign so early in the season um, especially with all the news about them going to the SEC and stuff like that that's a tough look. Yeah, I mean a program with Texas's pedigree when they're announced that they're getting moved to arguably the premier conference in college football. And that is their showing 
just a couple yep. weeks after that gets announced. That's tough, tough look. Interesting offseason. Um, they did bring in Gary Patterson to be a special assistant. And, you know, good for him for finding some work post-retirement. Happy for him. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. I don't know what job security is like for the Krukowski, uh, just to see, you know, if, if they have another bad season. That very well could be a, you know, let's move Krukowski out and let's promote Gary Patterson to a defensive coordinator type thing. It, you know, Gary Patterson has a connection uh, with the Texas Athletic Department. Their athletic director is uh, Chris Del Conte, who originally came from TCU. So him and, and Patterson had a uh, connection together. Uh, which I guess is kind of how he ended up there, but yeah, it's it's no doubt it's it's very strange seeing Gary Patterson in burn orange, you know, attire after so many years at TCU, and after so many years of, of handling Texas in, in a variety of ways. Uh, once they entered the Big Twelve, um, Gary Patterson kind of had a way of of getting to them. So it, it, it's so weird seeing as fast as it happened too. I mean, like not even a full off season off, and he's yeah. full on in Texas burnt orange. Yeah, so. it's very, very uh, – and then on top of that, you know, they brought in some transfers. Uh, the big the big name one was Quinn Ewers, uh, former South Lake Carroll high school quarterback who took off his senior year of high school um, and left early to go uh, uh, play up at, at Ohio State and kind of get some NIL deals and that kind of stuff. Um, he was running, you know, second, third, fourth string there. Um, didn't you know? There's there's a lot of talent ahead of them, obviously. So Ohio State, um, and so came back to the Lone Star State, um, and I I don't necessarily know that he's the odds-on favorite to win at this point. He's still got to battle it out with Hudson Card, who has more experience uh, than he does. In actual gameplay. He played Hudson Card played a lot last year. Uh, him and uh, Casey Thompson. Uh, was the other QB that they, they switched time uh, back and forth with. But, you know, they both got great skill talent to work with. Um, Xavier Worthy uh, was the big name freshman receiver that made a lot of big plays last year for him, explosive talent. And then they got Bijan Robinson, who's kind of uh, uh, maybe a, a dark horse Heisman candidate, in my opinion. You know, I think a lot of people would, would put him up there, you know, as a very much a possible candidate, but I, I, we'll see about that. But, um, yeah, uh, so, you know, the offense has a lot to work with. I don't know. <laughs> there's there's a lot to not like about Texas this year, honestly, in my opinion, and that's not just me being the biased Aggie over here. I think there's a lot of legitimate concerns. Yeah, I completely agree. And, honestly, the biggest question mark is probably what they're going to do at quarterback. Um Quinn Ewers, from what some of the reports have been coming out of camp, has not been performing up to the billing that he was projected to be. Uh, definitely right. not living up to his his rating in Which 247. Is, is he, you know, I mean, obviously he's still battling through rust and all that. Like, he hasn't. And he's young. He hasn't played legitimate football since his junior year of high school, which is, you know, just kind of crazy to think about. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you talk about NIL deals. Um, the big one that came up with him was that his NIL deal attached to Ohio State was that he had to play so certain amount of snaps. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that was. I mean, it might have been ten percent of snaps. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what it was, but for him to get that, I'm gonna guess a million dollars, like whatever it is, he had to play ten percent 
And then once CJ Stroud took over, it was time for him to go. It didn't matter for sure. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, you know, that like I said, they have plenty going on in the quarterback room. Uh, and, you know, Quinn Ewers would not be the first person to transfer out of Ohio State and find success <laughs> at another program. But, yeah, he's, he's definitely got some work to do before he can get to that point. You know, that you, you wouldn't think you would need to worry with a Sark offense, but they've got they've gotten a lot of injuries uh, just this week in camp. They had their first scrimmage uh, back early part of the week and had one of their offensive linemen who was who had a lot of experience, was probably going to be a starter for them, or was definitely going to be a starter for them, um, is probably lost for the season or for at least a large portion of it. Um, uh, a, a wide receiver transfer from Wyoming, Isaiah Nayer, I think is his name, uh, also went down with an injury. I think both of the injuries were, were to the knee, which is never good. Um, and so you hate to see that, like anybody go out in fall camp early. Like that's that's really tough to not even get a good opportunity to, to start the season. Um, but every injury in fall camp just makes that margin for error with this offense razor thin, you know, Um with with a su- already suspect offensive line, where you'll probably you may be playing some true freshmen. They got a guy named Kelvin Banks, who was a, a high four star talent, and then Devin Campbell, five star talent. Like you, you've got talent there, but it's going to be young, and there's going to be t- having to break that in. Um, is, is definitely going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, I think they're going to be there are going to be a lot of question marks, obviously, on this team. Uh, one of them is not going to be B. John Robinson. Uh, he is going to be the – he's got to be the odds-on favorite for the Dope Walker Award right now, uh, country's best running back. Uh, he's going to be very important to Texas, I think, going forward, especially as they try to figure out the quarterback situation and try to figure out what this offense is going to look like. So uh, looking ahead at their schedule here, Texas is over-under win total. At least the most recent one I found is nine. And that seems really fucking high for what this team should be, honestly. I see four, like, Alabama, they're going to get drilled. Oklahoma, probably going to get drilled. Oklahoma State, I can't imagine that they are going to win that one in Stillwater. And then Baylor, um, which, you know, that's the last game of the year. And that's four losses right there. So that already hits you on the under. So... I, I'm taking under, and I'm feeling pretty good about that because you don't know what Texas's situation is going to – I don't know if the defense is going to get any better. They're obviously going to be more experienced, but you don't know if those players are going to be good for them. I, I feel like you almost got to take the under on this one. I'm not, seeing, I'm not seeing why the number is so high. Yeah, so when I look at it, it's, a, uh, it's at a nine right now. I see seven guaranteed wins. So what I'm doing right there is I'm taking the under. I'm I'm not taking the over. Uh, honestly, if I mean if I have to pick, I'm not betting on it at all. I mean, like, yeah, it, it, it's a tough line. Their ceiling is a push. I feel like, yeah, For sure, yeah, a push. Like their ceiling um, is a push. So yeah. I mean, you, you got Monroe coming in. That's a win. Yeah, San Antonio coming in. That's a win. Probably. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not going to run through the whole schedule, but. Like Iowa State and Kansas State are, uh, those are not guarantees, especially going to Kansas State. And obviously, mm-hmm. Kansas, like, <laughs> as much of a Never joke. Never a guarantee. As, 
As much yeah, of a Greg joke Yankee. as that is, Texas is probably the one team where Longhorn fans are going into it and be like, oh, fuck, I really hope we don't lose to them again. Can I, can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Like, from from here on out, who, who's the more dedicated pain in the ass? Is it Kansas State or is it Iowa State? I, That's I, a tough one. Yeah, because that the, like those are like I mean they're, they're state schools like yada yada mm-hmm. yada, but like those those are the two that I see like they shake shit up like th- those are the two. That's tough, uh, uh, but I, I agree with you that those are the two schools that that have a great great coaching staffs in place and uh, the ability to play spoiler and you know every year and then maybe every three to four years and for something with, you know, with like a senior heavy team type deal. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. I'd uh, probably, as, I would say Iowa state if I had to pick one. You'd you know, say then, Iowa state or, or Kansas state. I, I would pick Iowa state if I had to pick between those two. I just feel like Iowa state is, I think they do have a better, more established staff at least, you know, Campbell's been there longer. He, he has already proven that he can bring Ohio or Iowa state up to being a really good team. Kansas state, obviously they've proven that they can be a pain in the ass. They haven't really proven that they can be like that upper echelon of teams that has a chance to win the big 12. Whereas Iowa state, they've proven that they can be up there in the conversation. So I would say if I had to pick one, it would be Iowa state, but I think both of them are certified pain in the asses. <laughs> like like we're, we're going to, Sorry, we're we're gonna track back a little bit and pain of the ass S tier for Big Twelve. Like, are they S tier or is like Texas Tech S tier? Like, if, if yeah, you know, it's it's tough because when you when you talk about pain in the ass, you kind of think of uh, a team that maybe is not necessarily good year to year, um, but makes can, it close. Like, can yeah, can jump up and get you every other year or something like that, or you know, you know, has a has a an environment that's a weird place to play on a Thursday night or something like that. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting, that might be a, I don't know. Thought exercise Thursday night. That sounds like a West Virginia territory there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and once upon a time, West Virginia, you know, could be a huge pain in the ass. I'm not sure that that'll be the case this year, but yeah, I don't think it will be this year, but yeah, I would say, I would say Iowa state is probably more of a pain in the ass than Kansas state, just because they've shown that they can, that, Campbell can do a lot with what he has on his roster, but both of those games are not toss-ups. Like they have Iowa state at home, which I think is going to be in their favor, but they go to Kansas state and that's not even counting the four ranked teams that they have, that they are playing. And, you know, shout out to whoever gave Texas a first place vote, but (laughs) it's not not much more than the bit there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely hitting the under on that. I, like y'all said, I, I count the Alabama game as a loss. I know I'm inviting the chaos gods to smite me with those words come week two, but I just, I just cannot physically see it. Um, and then from there you get Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, uh, as probable losses. And then Iowa state, Kansas state, Baylor, like those are and TCU. Those are four games right there where it's like, you know, do they win? Do they win all four of those? Do they, do they, you know, Drop Slip, half of them, yeah. that kind of thing. It's just, it's just too tough. I, I just don't see it this year. Um, I think they've just got too many holes. And 
that's that's not to say that they won't improve on last year's five and seven record. Like I, I definitely see them finding a way to get to eight wins. Um, and if you're Texas, maybe that's disappointing. But like, if you're Sark, you can sell that to this class that you're trying to build, um, and and keep that high end talent coming yeah. to Texas until you can put something together. But uh, I don't know. I just don't see it this year for sure. No. I will say one of the fun that's already kind of made the rounds on social media, but how funny would it be if they beat Alabama but then lose to UTSA the week after? <laughs> yeah, that, that would That'd be that so might funny. Make up, that might make up for it. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so consensus horns down on this nine win total. Gotta do it. Gotta throw the horns down. All right, horns down. So that'll bring us to the, you know. They're the only team that has a higher win total than nine. Uh, so I would assume that they're the favorite to win this year is the University of Oklahoma, the Sooners. They went 10-2 and two in 2021 uh, with the bowl win. They beat Oregon 47-32 to 32 in the Alamo Bowl, so beat them pretty well. Um, and then they had Stinkin' Lincoln bolt on them. Um, kind of a weird offseason for coaching changes in general. Uh not very often that you see coaches as pro high profile as Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly leaving when their programs are in a good state. Um, I mean, shit, Notre Dame, they still had a chance to make the playoff. Like they, with Baylor losing, like they were still kind of one of those teams that could knock on and get that four spot there. Um, but yeah, he took a He took the job at LSU and Lincoln bolted for USC and they had to hire Brent Venables out of Clemson, who finally left Clemson after <laughs> what seems like 40 years. It was uh, tw- 23 years. <laughs> 23 <laughs> years like since he's been an official defensive coordinator. Like, yeah. Yeah, he was a defensive coordinator, you know, kind of a staple on Bob Stoops' staff for <laughs> several years, and then um, – their separate ways, and he went to Clemson and continued to build great defenses there. And every offseason, his name came up, um, and you kind of got the idea that he's he's waiting around for um, a specific job. And I, I think a lot of people thought, maybe, I think he's a Kansas State alum, and so maybe a lot of people thought, hey, maybe when Bill Snyder retires so again, like that might be the spot for him. But it, you know, it wasn't. And I, uh, I, I don't want to tread on too much, but like he was getting paid head coach money to be the DC at Clemson. So like, absolutely just do that. And it works out. Yeah. And, and, you know, he kind of, he's guy and has kind of an intense energy. Like I, you know, I don't know what is, what he's like when he's applying for jobs and doing the interview process and stuff like that. He might come off a certain way, but you know, if you're OU, I, I think you're, you're pretty happy to get somebody familiar with the program. Somebody that's kind of uh certified i guess yeah you know it it, that's gotta play well for them and and he knows knows the recruiting areas for oklahoma which is kind of like west coast of texas they seem to get a lot of players from those parts of the country so um i i think that it's probably going to work out fine for them um because of their the talent that oklahoma manages to stockpile um yeah, I can't on imagine. Top of that, I can't imagine OU being bad. And no. on top of that, he he went out of his way to to bring in a, a talented offensive coordinator 
Um, and Jeff Levy, who was at Ole Miss under Kiffin, uh, he's an OU alum as well, or uh, not as well, but he, he's, you know, he is an OU alum, so he knows the area. He knows what it's like to be in Norman. Um, and he's got all the skill talent in the world to work with. Uh, Theo, uh, Theo Weiss, and, um, uh, you know, they, they bring back uh, – uh, mm, I'm blanking on the running back's name. But um, – uh, oh, Eric Gray. Eric Gray's Gray. name. Yeah, and so they, they've got the offensive side of the ball. And the defense, you know, has been hit or miss in, in recent years. But a guy like Venables, you, you would think is going to be able to put the pieces together and make that work. Yeah, like I said earlier, uh, OU is not going to be bad. They've kept enough talent despite some major losses in the transfer portal uh, to still be a good team and to still be the odds-on favorite to win the Big 12. Uh, losing Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler in the same offseason is obviously very damaging. Um, they got Dylan Gabriel from UCF in the portal, but, I mean, obviously Rattler was a Heisman front runner last year and or a Heisman contender last year and Williams is going to be a Heisman contender this year so losing both of them is just going to be kind of brutal for them no matter what but it's going to be interesting to see Venables as a head coach um the recruiting hasn't necessarily dropped off despite the losses of some of their 2023 class either they're still in position to have a very good recruiting class um and that bodes well for them going forward so yeah, I think Oklahoma is going to be just fine. I don't think I don't think they're going to run into a ton of issues there, especially looking ahead at their schedule here. So Oklahoma's win loss total is at nine and a half, and they've got a pretty favorable draw. Honestly, um, you know, obviously their conference schedule isn't necessarily easy this year. They've got Oklahoma State and Baylor to contend with, but their out of conference schedule is UTEP. Kent State and Nebraska. And, you know, barring whatever Nebraska's doing, I still have no fucking idea what they're going to be as a team. But they they should be at least two and one going into conference play. They should probably be three and oh, but I'll, I'm willing to admit that something crazy might happen in Lincoln. Yeah, there's a real possibility that they're going into their bye week, they're they're seven or seven and zero oh, just yeah. because of, of who they play early on. Now that means the second half of that season is is really going to challenge them. But uh, yeah, it's always nice when you can build that momentum early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that that Nebraska game is awesome. Like, I mean, I wish they would get that back to every year, but oh, for sure, there, there's no chance. Like, yeah, not mean, not well, with the SEC move coming up. I think it's going to be a lot. Yeah. A lot tougher to make that work. It's not possible. It definitely is going to be tough, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, so tr- I mean, I'm trying to find a third loss. I mean, you could argue that Oklahoma State and Baylor are going to be the two games we're the most likely to lose. But after that – so yeah, I, it's, it's tough to find another one. Yeah. I, I found this stat. They've lost less than 10 games twice since 2010. They've won less than game ten games twice. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. They, yeah. 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 They've, they've won more than ten twice. Yes. Yeah. 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 You sure you're not looking at Kansas? Yeah. 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 <laughs> they, they've won at least ten games every year 
except mm-hmm. twice since 2010. Yeah, I mean they've they've been a powerhouse. They've been the face of the Big 12 um, in terms of like big national games, represented them in the in the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's it's hard to find another loss on there. Um, going to Iowa State, to West Virginia, to Texas Tech with Baylor and Oklahoma State sandwiched in between. Yeah. yeah, you know that's that. Like I said, that's a tough last five games there. But uh, by the end of the season, you, you've got to probably feel like they're going to be rolling pretty good. Right. I, I wish they could find a medium ground for uh, the uh, Bedlam game, but I know it's Oklahoma, and it's just hard. Like it's there's there's not a medium spot they can meet. Right. So, yes. Yeah. St- um, Stillwater, I, Norman, and Bedlam just hit different too. I think yeah. Nor, Nor, Norman's very close to Oklahoma City, though. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like it's like right outside. Like, yeah. yeah. And Oklahoma City is surprisingly big. It's like a million people. Like, yeah, it's a it's a big metro area. Yeah, but yeah, I I mean, so I will say, if you are feeling bearish on Oklahoma, the argument can be made that since those Iowa State games and the Iowa State game and the West Virginia game are both away for them and they are leading into those top 12 matchups with Baylor and Oklahoma state. Those are probably where you have the biggest potential to slip up. I mean, and those are the, and Iowa state's one of those pain in the ass teams. So I feel like Iowa state is probably the next toughest game. If you are not really feeling what people are feeling about Texas. Um, You know, obviously if Texas lives up to that nine game billing that they're getting, then, Maybe Texas would be the next toughest game for them, the Red River shootout. It's a rivalry game. It's always going to be tough. Texas had them on the ropes last year, and that's arguably what kind of derailed their season was choking that lead away. So I don't want to talk about that, but like Texas dominated them in the first half. That first half was insane. Yeah, like they were up, I think it was like 28 to like 10, and they just choked. Yeah, I mean, but, and then they did that for several games during the season. And yeah, yeah. It, I mean, we, didn't really, we didn't really mention this, but like, when A and M the year before they left uh, for the SEC in, in 2011 um, came back, brought back a lot of talent from the previous season, like high expectations and all that kind of stuff, and we blew like six first half leads or something like that. It was insane, and like I cannot tell you how demoralizing that is as a team, as a fan. Like it is just tough to see, and so, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know, I. If, if things go off the rails early for Texas, like that, that, that doesn't, that's going to be tough to, to, to finish out the rest of the season. Um, yeah. Yeah. For, anyway, but for Oklahoma, for Oklahoma though, I mean, that's a home game for them. So despite it being a rivalry and no matter, no matter what Texas well, is looking it's, like, it's a, it's a, it's a neutral site. Oh, game. that's right. Yeah. yeah. It is a neutral site. Yeah, it's, game. Played, it's played Oof. in Dallas. Dallas um, fair brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're going to the yeah. fair. We're going to get some state fair, baby. Uh, some Texas sausage. We're going to get some mm-hmm. white bread. We're all good. Some fried Oreos. Yeah. Deep fried Oreos. S tier fair food. S tier. And I, I don't think you'll hear any arguments here. No, not on that. No, but I mean, yeah, I think you could find a third loss somewhere. It's just you're gonna have to you're gonna have to explain where that third loss is coming from, and you're gonna have to rely on you're basically relying on Oklahoma to slip up somewhere. Yeah, which is always possible with the new coaching staff and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But but if you if you're gonna if you're gonna find one of those slip ups, you feel like it's gonna be early in the season, and that schedule just doesn't really lend itself to an early slip up. So Nebraska's probably. 
again, it just completely depends on what the hell is going on in Lincoln, Nebraska. But um, sure. that one, especially being a noon game, big noon kickoff, um, that one maybe. And Kansas State obviously is a tough out. That's that's another pain in the ass team. So I feel the potential is there for th- for a third loss. I just don't know where it would be, and I don't feel strongly enough about any of them to say, oh, yeah, I'm definitely hitting the under on this. So for myself, I'm going to take the over on that nine and a half. Yeah, I, th- I think I will as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think I said it before. They haven't hit a under ten since 2010, basically twice. So, yeah, they they have hit it twice, but it's it's an easy easy bet. Yeah. So the consensus over there to finish out the Big Twelve. Um, Sooner is probably going to be the odds on favorite to win the win the whole conference there. With that in mind. We're going to finish up here with our conference predictions. So which two teams are going to be playing in the conference championship? Uh, EOS, we're going to start with you. Yeah, I think I'm going with a Bedlam rematch. I think I'm going Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the conference championship game. All right. Bennett, what do you got? Yeah, I've got – I don't want to be a – Dipshit. I've got an I've got a Bedlam rematch as well, but um, I'll take a Oklahoma Kansas State rematch just to spin things up, just to be yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see I could see Kansas State having a monster year. Like I, I agree I mean, with you. You, you talked me into them for sure. I agree. Yeah, with you. yeah. D- definitely a lot of reasons to be bullish about the Cats, but um, yeah. I'm going to play it a little safer here. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Oklahoma State. I, it's Yeah, it's probably going to be Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, which would make for a fun conference title game, honestly. Um, yeah, it's gonna. I think it's going to be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State as well. And then who is going to win that game? EOS, you have the floor. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Oklahoma State for the title, I think. Oklahoma. I, I, I could see them. I could see Oklahoma taking the taking Bedlam this year, and then Oklahoma State in the rematch. I got okay. Oklahoma as long as Dylan Gabriel stays healthy. He's yeah. a small. He's a small guy. He's, he's. I mean, like when I say small, I mean small. Like I mean, like six foot tall. So it's all yeah. dependent. It's all dependent on him. Yeah, I w- I would probably. I'd probably take Oklahoma State as well. Uh, I think Bedlam at Norman is going to go Oklahoma's way, and then um, and then they're probably going to bounce back, it, and I think Oklahoma State's going to take that conference championship. So the next question was supposed to be who's going to be the worst team in the conference, but I feel like that's just kind of a dumb question because everybody knows it's going to be fucking Kansas. So who's going to be the second worst team in the conference for you guys? My money on this year is on uh, is on West Virginia this year. I just I think they got a, a really tough schedule, um, and not necessarily that they'll be a bad team, but yeah, I just, I, 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 that'd be my pick. Okay, um, yeah, just to switch it up, it, it, it's so hard because they've been so good for the last three years. But I've got Iowa State. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, I've got Iowa State taking a real step back. I, I haven't seen I haven't seen the improvements that I need to see for them to take it to the next level. And I've got them winning maybe 
probably five games. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I am going to also break it off a little differently here. And I'm pretty sure I took the over on them when we first started out, but I think it might be, I think it might be TCU. I don't know. That would have been my backup plan for sure. It's just TCU. There's a lot of change there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of change and they lost arguably their best player in Zach Evans, the transfer portal. Um, So I I didn't bring it up earlier, but Zach Evans transfers out. It's a a big shit show with his whole recruiting going there. The new guy they got going in, he's he had 800 yards last year, and it was like seven yards of carry. So I'm I'm not I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, like I'm I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, and I I don't feel great about it. Um, Honestly, I could definitely see it be West Virginia just with that slate of games. I think they probably have one of the toughest schedules out there, but I don't know. TCU, I just feel like losing Gary Patterson, that loses a lot of mojo, and it might just take a season for Sonny Dykes to really establish that new culture there. So I'm going to go with TCU. No, yeah. This, I, I think this is uh, Neil Brown's last year. Like, yeah. I mean, like, like It's like make or break. I, I got I got a lot of West Virginia in my family, so it's like this is it. Like yeah. like win win seven games or get the fuck out of town and go back to whatever you're doing at Troy. Like like time to go. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be an interesting year. Uh, it's going to be pretty close at the bottom once you get past Kansas. I think there's just going to be a cluster for second to last place there. So it'll be fun to watch. See who ends up there. Uh, looking at a lot of bowl eligible teams this year uh, yeah. from the Big Twelve, and you know Which a lot of good. six and six. Yeah, absolutely, six and six, seven five records. They're going to beat each other up. They, you know, Big Twelve always does, but this year especially, I think that they're they're going to uh, really mix it up. Fun to watch, fun conference for sure. Yeah, completely agree. But all right, Phyllis, uh, I think that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, Excellent job going into the Big 12, and I appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, Next week, we are going to be taking a look at the last Power 5 conference and probably the first non-Power 5 conference out of this realignment, Uh, the Pac-12. Going to be like two good teams and a few stinkers, so it's going to be a lot of fun to go into that one. But then after that, we've got our Week 0 preview where we're going to look at the games coming up that week, as well as just some bigger picture predictions for, you know, the Heisman winner, the national champions, your playoff teams, stuff like that. So be on the lookout for those next week and be on the lookout as well for our rebrand. I know I touched on it with in at the end of the ACC episode, but we're going to be switching the name up a little bit, getting a new logo, uh, just going to be cleaning some things up for you guys. So be on the lookout for that. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Give us that five-star review. Uh, If you do leave us a five-star review and ask us a question, we will answer it in our mailbag episode, which will be tagged on to that week zero preview. And be on the lookout for more mailbag questions. We'll be ready for you. So have a good night, you guys. And once again, don't tweet at recruits. No. Never, never tweet at recruits and uh, join the Discord. Join the Discord. Yes. Follow us on Twitter. All that good stuff. All right. Good night, fellas. Thank you.